Hi, and welcome to the Three Broom Chicks. I'm Jenny. I'm Marianne. And I'm Elizabeth. And today, we're talking about Star Wars. Do it. Yay. Ha ha ha! April Fools! Suckers! <laughs> oh my god. I bet you guys are super confused right Whoa. now. Losers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't. We're laughing at our own joke that we just played on everyone. I we're too much right now. Oh man. <laughs> okay, so this was our lovely April Fool's episode, but you know. These guys do actually talk about Star Wars after this. So if you're into Star Wars, take Hashtag a listen. Multi-fandom. Hashtag, Hashtag multi-fandom. Yes. Yep, that's right. So you can totally listen to them. If not, down below in the episode description, you will find the exact time that you could just jump forward and actually listen to the real stuff that we have to say about Jenny Weasley. So feel free to do that. But before you do, I think we do in this you know, crazy world that we're currently living in. We do want to take a moment to talk about um, uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic going on in the world right now. Normally we talk about our Patreon and we talk about like monetary donations right now, but we don't feel like that's appropriate considering the current climate. Um, Instead, we really want to take this time to express our sympathies to everyone currently struggling with um, COVID-19, everyone who's ill and sick, and just everyone around the world who's currently in this really crappy situation. Absolutely. Um, we really hope that in a, in any way, small or big, um, our upcoming episodes, including this one, even though it was like, you know, a little joke, um, that we can just bring some happiness and um, some optimism to your day and to this whole situation. Uh, we have no idea what your situations might be at home. Um, I know, obviously, like, in my case, like, it's been crazy. I know in Elizabeth and Jenny's and all of our friends. Um, it's just really a crazy time going on in um, everyone's world right now. So we just want to kind of put some light out into the world. And we hope that all of you are staying safe, um, that you're staying home. For those, of, uh, those people that can't stay home, um, just, you know, washing your hands and taking care of yourselves so that way um everyone can eventually come out of in the end you know feeling better all this crisis is averted and whatnot yeah just touching upon that um i just wanted to give a special shout out to everybody who's considered an essential employee and is still traveling mm-hmm. to and from work i see you guys i hear you guys i'm with you guys i'm still essential and i'm going to work every single week And I know that it's a scary time right now, but we're definitely with you and we know how it feels. And hopefully this can bring you a little laughter. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we hope for. Well, after, you know, this is out of the way, go ahead and take a listen to these three dudes talk about Star Wars. (laughs) What's up? So you probably heard them right now. So (laughs) to give you our actual names, uh, I'm Eric. I'm Jamal. (laughs) And I am Raul. Who you may be familiar with. Yeah, I'm I'm the the husband of the person I was impersonating so beautifully. Let me say you did a really good job. You convinced me. Right? I thought I'm like, why why is Elizabeth here? I mean she is that's beside the point. <laughs> it's true. Um anyhow, so yeah, this is 
our fun little prank or their fun little prank were just kind of along for the ride. I mean, it was our idea. It was. So it's our prank, but we gifted it to them. There you go. I'll, I'll go with that. So we're all, you're off the hook for a little while on gifts, right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yeah, we're just going to, you know, talk about Star Wars for a little while. Um, you know, some developments have happened in the past couple of months. Ooh. And we're just going to talk about it. And if you want to stick around, go for it. All right. And if not, you know, that's cool too. But not that cool. It would be cooler if you stayed. Definitely. Anyhow, so first thing we're going to talk about. Um, in our haphazardly put together docket, um, <laughs> I actually had a. I'm gonna interrupt you there for a second. I actually had an idea of how kind of like kickstart the conversation. Okay, we're gonna each take like turn and talk about what about Star Wars like first drew us into it, like as fans of it. Okay, and then uh, you know we can go on and talk with our whole stream of consciousness. Essentially, that's like how that. this episode's gonna go. But yeah, we can start that off. All right. So um, I guess since it was my idea, I'll just start off. There you like, go. Real quick. Um, so I remember some of my favorite Star Wars memories early on was like back when we were elementary and middle school and they would do those like advanced reading stuff where you have to like read these books and they're like certain points. And you have mm-hmm. to get a certain amount of points to the, what whatever it nonsense. Accelerated Reader? Yeah that, yeah, that one, that one, that one. Yeah. Accelerated Reader. And some of the books that I always gravitate to first was the Star Wars books, the ones that apparently aren't you know canon anymore. Canon, but you know right. whatever. But like being able to like read those and like escape into like that expanded universe after like watching the um, the movies was just awesome, and that made me love Star Wars even more. So I thought that was really cool. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Okay, um, for me, my older uh, brothers were super into Star Wars, so when they would watch the old VHS tapes, I would watch it with them, and I remember vividly seeing the, uh, well, not necessarily the home world, but where Yoda was living on the Dagobah, and that whole swamp scene with the creatures and the other aliens, um, that just kind of drew me into it, and ever since then, I've been just fascinated with the not only the characters, but also the wildlife and the creatures and whatnot. Everything about it is just super cool. Yeah, and for me, it's kind of a similar story to you, where it's actually my uncle, um, who is, you know, he grew up with Star Wars um, when he was a kid, um, kind uh-huh. of like as, you know, as they were just like huge, like this unstoppable phenomena. But um, one of my first Star Wars memory actually doesn't come from, it's funny, Jamal had the movies you had the books and then for me it was actually rogue squadron the game on the n64 that was like one of my first experiences um yeah i was like in preschool and like he had bought an n64 and like there were we only had four games on the n64 (laughs) that i can remember Uh um, like those first couple of years and it was um mario 64 of course um, Diddy Kong Racing, yes, definitely. Rogue Squadron, and the Creme de la Creme FIFA ninety nine. <laughs> FIFA ninety nine. Okay, yeah. but no, Rogue Squadron was always just like I would just play like endlessly, and like on the first level on Tatooine, it's like the training level where you're just shooting these little like uh, scouting droids, these like Imperial scouting droids, and it's like uh-huh. yeah, I would never get past like the third level. Um, and, like, I would watch my uncle play and, like, he would, like, be on, like, some 
crazy far level where you're playing like on the Hotha like speeders or the with like the tow cables, but you weren't on Hoth, so it was like really weird to me. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just remember seeing that and like seeing all the varied environments and just like falling in love with it and watching the movies. And you know, we all grew up like in the time for like the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just remember being like a little kid and loving episode one, even though obviously, you know, it has its faults now. But as a little kid. Oh, no, of course. Oh, yeah. Seeing like the pod racing and like the lightsaber fights and all like, oh, dude, it was just. Dude, that's when I first like fell in love with like Liam Neeson. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yes, I will not like like Qui-Gon Jinn to me Master was Qui-Gon. like the best. Mm-hmm. Like yet, you know, they kind of kind of goofed there. Finding Darth Maul, I'm a little disappointed with that, but <laughs> right. You know, beyond that, we'll look past that. He it, was the best. I Love mean, it. even in the whole context of the series, like he's the one. I mean, they kind of hint, but he's the one who like he's like the first Force Ghost, even though we never exactly. see him. Exactly. But he's a badass. Listen, sure. if you if you're the one who teaches Yoda something, then that immediately oh, yeah. makes you like a like, <laughs> grade A, like top tier. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We really got the best of both worlds, though. We got to enjoy the prequels, especially episode one, as little kids. So we mm-hmm. kind of, you know what I mean? We have that, whereas, like, people who waited for a long Anyway, that's beside the point. Let's look towards the future as we move into our first bit of news. Okay. Um, yeah. You want us to kick us off on that, Jamal? Um, sure. Yeah. So we were um, discussing earlier that they've already started casting for The Mandalorian Season 2. And one of the big uh, announcements was Ahsoka Tano has been casted by uh, Rosario Dawson. She's going to be playing the character. At least that's the word of mouth. Um, so any thoughts on this? What do you guys think? How do you feel? I mean, I love her as an actress. I loved her in like the the um, Marvel Netflix series. Um, and, I mean, like plural, like all of them that she was in because she was in like all of them. Yeah, she uh, was. Daredevil and Luke Cage. Yeah. And, yep. and, and I feel like playing like an adult um version of this character like i feel like she'd probably uh i mean given the fact that mandalorian hasn't done anything to like have me not trust their decisions when it comes to oh, yeah. what they're doing right i just think it's gonna be really cool and uh, interesting to see kind of like how they start introducing like more um force sensitive like characters and people who are more like in that kind of like jedi realm Mm-hmm. story that has been like which so one of the things that's been so interesting about it is having it so far away from that aspect of this like universe except mm-hmm. for the child baby yoda whatever you want to call him but i think it's gonna be hopefully really cool yeah and you know it's funny because i remember when the first season was going on and then you know a lot of people were like oh, I think this show is going to stay far away from the idea of the Jedi or, like, it's just going to stay. But really, it's just, like, once you bring in that character, Baby Yoda, it's like, okay, well, yeah, now where's you it going to go? Like, mm-hmm. not even you have to, but just, like, you know, it's cool to see these people think they don't know what they got here. Like, they don't understand, like, just... I mean, they understand the power, but they don't understand how deep the rabbit hole goes, you know? Yeah. They want to it like that. Right. And then when you think about it, it's like, well... Dave Filoni is, like, running the show. He's, like, writing it along with John Favreau. So it's, like, of course mm-hmm. he's going to bring in Ahsoka Tano. Like, that's, like, that's his baby. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of his characters. Yep. From the uh, Clone War series. But, no, it's going to be really cool because it's, like, now the idea is, like, all right, well, what do we think? Is, is she going to be a one-time thing? Is she, 
is are they gonna like bring her in as a regular character mm -hmm. is she gonna be like training the child because that's gonna be interesting to see if that's the case or like um how that kind of comes into contact and then of course you know mando's not gonna trust her because that's just the way he rolls right of course i mean um, and, and her character's been in hiding for so long so who who knows how she's gonna react to even see someone else that's force sensitive right yeah exactly because you have to kind of because this is even after uh this is after the empire falls mm -hmm. so it's like as far as she knows like anakin's gone um right obi-wan's gone mm -hmm. um i don't know what her extent of like knowledge of like you know i mean we probably don't know what her extent of knowledge is of things like luke skywalker i don't think that's kind of like um i know she appears in rebels i just don't know when rebels takes place gotcha um, it's sometime before the sequel uh it's not sequel uh original trilogy mm -hmm. um but yeah, so we don't know what her reaction or like what kind of status she has in this new like post empire society is. You know, is she just kind of like going around? Is she trying to rebuild the Jedi? Does she care for the Jedi at all after everything that's happened? Right. You know, it's kind of it's kind of tough to say where this is going to go. True. I mean, but, I would like to see a upside. Uh, oh, I mean, to cut you off. No, that's all good. I was going to say I would like to see a more. Um... How do you say like a more grizzled uh she's been uh, affected by all the events that took place and kind of like i don't want to be bothered don't talk to me i don't want to hear anything about jedi and the force just let me be and i think it's going to be like one of those scenarios where she's like the uh reluctant hero where she's kind of forced into the situation because you can't avoid it once you're caught up in all of the craziness that's going on that's falling behind the child you're kind of compelled to help which is Kind of what happened to the Mandalorian, right? Mando, he got sucked into all this when he was just supposed to do a job and drop the child off, and then that was it, get paid and head out. But he just couldn't do it. And I th I'm pretty sure that's probably how they're going to tie her into all of this. But we'll see. We'll see. So they're going to have just like two reluctant parents. Right. Like, ah, I don't want to be bothered with this. <laughs> you see, like, you, you uh, Eric, mentioned the, the whole, like, idea of having her train um, Baby Yoda, like, in like in my mind i immediately thought of what would be so hilarious mm -hmm. they do like some type of time skip we now have teenage <laughs> angst baby oh, like maybe yoda <laughs> who's giving all this attitude doesn't right. want to train like essentially like groot from like yeah. uh, uh guardians but but yoda version right but at the it same time i also think like the idea of having to uh, her as like something like more like this like cynical outlook about like the Jedi and mm -hmm. showing the the effects of you know the outcomes of like Order sixty six and everything else like mm -hmm. you know makes it seem like more real and also just um, more interesting than just her like div diverting to like classical like wise you know master passing off like the oh you know. You have to connect and be one with the force so we can restore all that nonsense. Like, no. Right. Get that out of here. Like, a bunch of people were literally massacred. Like, a bunch of mm -hmm. terrible things happened. Like, show me human emotion. Exactly. You no, know, that's what I want to see. And I think so they'll what, probably do good about that. What you want to see is a better version of Luke from the sequel trilogy. <laughs> Gosh, yes. We're taking oh, man. It. I don't want to get him started this early on this. But... <laughs> you know what? You know what? To um, take a term from the three broom chicks we're gonna put a pin in it 
<laughs> and I'm gonna rant about a specific sequel movie and a specific director. Looking at you, Ryan Johnson, <laughs> complain a little bit. But you know what? Let's 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 keep the mood the mood exactly. you know, lively. We'll, we'll, we'll come back positive. to that. We'll come back to that. We'll uh, come back definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so another thing is um, we need to see where you know because. Obviously, Ahsoka is going to see, or maybe not see right off the bat, but um, Giancarlo Esposito's character, Moff Gideon, has been hard uh, labor yes. for whatever reason. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know that's going to happen at some point, where like, he's going to bring up the Darksaber, and she's just going to be like, what the heck is going on here? Or maybe she knows. Maybe she's actually like part of, not part of, but like maybe she's more privy to information that we as the audience don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, that could be interesting. Like maybe she's aware of who this Moff Gideon is because whoever he is, he seems to have an interest in like the Jedi because he has an interest in the child. He has an interest in uh, mm-hmm. the dark saber. So he obviously knows what's going on to some degree. Now, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe like Ahsoka can just be like the antithesis to that. Like, you know, he wants to whatever he wants to do. Maybe he wants to eradicate. Maybe. Um, maybe he wants to keep like the dark side going for whatever reason. Like we don't know <laughs> what his motives are, um, but it'll just be interesting to see like how that lines up with Ahsoka and where she's at. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm more interested in how um, he acquired the dark saber. Right. Oh yeah, for um, sure. Last I remember, uh, Bo Katan, she had the dark saber, and she was the leader of. Uh, I digress here. The Night Owls, right? From the Mandalorians. Yeah. Yep. She was a leader of the Night Owls. And she was a lieutenant in the Death Watch. So somewhere along the lines between him and his forces, they must have duked it out. And he's uh, defeated her, I'm assuming. And he acquired the Darksaber from her. So I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to kind of tie that in and show how he got that Darksaber. That should be pretty interesting. I mean, it's actually crazy, like, looking at how they <clears> said <throat> how much it all ties back together so it's like all right we have the dark saber uh-huh. which is the mandalorian forge lightsaber essentially right um and then we have this mandalorian i don't know if he knows what the dark saber is i mean he was around for the clone wars as they showed um mm-hmm. so i'm um, he might have some idea and then ahsoka tano knows and then moff gideon has it so it's like you kind of have this perfect storm of like people who are relevant to this even like single relic mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of crazy when like i just realized that right now like how they brought this all together at the end of the first season just kind of be like yeah we have all these pieces here now let's just see where we go in the next season yeah yeah definitely yeah i just hope that they don't like they, they keep that focus on the mandalorian and him as a character and like getting to um more into his like story like not like because it's like so easy for them like once we we're we're in the star wars universe and to suddenly like diverge and just focus on the jedis and like uh, all um, and all that stuff and all that part of the universe had been such a like core focus for most of the things that we've been like introduced to in terms of the star wars universe Mm -hmm. but to have like something that on a mandalorian he's not force sensitive he's not a, uh, a jedi he doesn't have a lightsaber um, but it, you know, it's like being able to focus on like characters like that more, and not have it be so like centric on the the Jedi. Like if they can like, you know, fo- 
like follow that line and carry that balance into the second season, I think it would be significantly better. You, you know, it might be like a something I was thinking is that might be like slow burn to some degree in the sense of, you know, season one, he was like completely on his own. Season right. two, he'll have a couple of moments, introductions to these things. And then as time goes on and on, he'll become more ingrained in this world that we're all familiar with. Right. So, you know, take that as you will. But I think that'll be kind of like a cool way to be like, yeah. you know, how does how do things outside of what we know from Star Wars relate to what we do know? Mm-hmm. Kind of to some degree, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, so I don't know. I just it's curious to see where they go forward with this and. I mean, I, I love season one. There were just so many. I'm just going to gush for like a couple of details. It's like, you know, there's that one episode where he goes to Tatooine. Uh-huh. And then, uh, oh my God, what's this actress's name? Who was on that planet? Um, on Tatooine? Yeah, on Tatooine. That she ran the hangar. With yeah, the, who like takes care Amy of... Amy Sedaris. Yes. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy Sedaris. And like how she had this like, big old like 70s hairstyle yeah (laughs) and it's like because when they filmed the original trilogy they all kind of had these like 70s style haircuts Mm -hmm. because you know it was in the 70s yeah of course and so just for them to like notice that be like okay here's how we're really gonna tie it and make you feel like this is the same world this is you know this is how it is this is how we envision it and just like the kind of just tie in that little detail, like her hair could have been whatever, and like her acting would have been great, the script, right? All this stuff, but just the fact that they like realize, like, okay, here's the time period we're working with, here's how we want to, you know, put this together to really sell the illusion that this is the same community, the same planet, mm-hmm. really just takes it the extra mile, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great that you noticed that uh that detail. I didn't even realize that until you <laughs> talked about yeah. it just yeah. now and what was the other little easter egg we were talking about before uh the ice cream maker right that the container that carries the, yes yes uh, yes yes so in um Bascar steel or what was it that was in there the currency that they were yeah well, we talked about this a while ago i'm glad you remember mm-hmm. um yeah he has this container uh that he carries the best steel and it's like this like almost bucket looking container Mm-hmm. Um and you know he puts like a little lock combination that like unscrews from the top, and the reason they use that I don't know if you were I, I think this is while we were in Orlando so I don't think you were in this conversation don't think but so. the reason why they used that prop was because in um episode five um at one point when they're on Cloud City and like you know all the alarms start going off because everything's starting to go you know to cheatable hockey sticks and back. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> So one guy is just like running down the hall and he's just carrying this weird looking container because obviously back then they just kind of scavenged for whatever materials for like these sci-fi looking props. And that container just happened to be like an ice cream maker. And like, it was just like some product they found some ice cream maker. And they're like, yeah, this looks sci-fi enough. Just have this guy holding it as he runs down the hallway. <laughs> and like, it's kind of become like a little joke of like, <laughs> this dude's running down the hall with this guy, like what is he what he really wants his ice cream like but then in Mandalorian they use a very similar looking prop to hold the Beskar steel to kind of like mm-hmm. you know say look he was really I mean they weren't trying to like retcon anything they were just like yeah that's a cool little detail just like right let's see who catches what it is who paid attention exactly like <laughs> and I, I didn't catch that I, had to, uh, I found that online like some 
people pointed out and it was just like this really cool detail yeah, yeah little yeah. things like that that's just like you know really makes the world feel real and alive right 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 okay uh anything else any other updates on that i mean the the last thing i'm gonna say is that they need to come out with a concept art book for the mandalorian because seeing oh, yes. like the credits all the concept art for each episode <laughs> it's amazing like i would buy that in an instant so disney needs to you know there's get their a, act together man there's a really cool concept art book that you can buy of um, not a mandalorian but of the like original like movie star wars of like the concept art before they made the movie like the concept art they made and showed to the actors to kind of sell them on it mm-hmm. um, and it's just like really cool because it's like it's not quite the star wars we know like there's differences like the lightsabers kind of look more like rapiers like they have this lick and like flame out at the hilts mm-hmm. um but it's just really cool art and it's funny because um is Anthony Daniels' name C3PO? Oh man, I'm now that I'm now that we're recording my name. It's something like that. Uh-huh. We can always I'm, verify. I'm anyway, um, hashtag allegedly another uh three broom trick drop right there. Hashtag allegedly on that name, because we do not know. Yeah, yeah, yeah you no, know, you're I, right. Anthony Daniels. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Oh boom. Nailed it. Hashtag facts. All right. I <laughs> I'm glad you know all these references. It's almost I like not. I listen to the podcast <laughs> or I kind of have to, or else <laughs> a certain someone I live with would be very upset with me. So yeah, Anthony Daniels, um, mm-hmm. there's actually, he, he tells the story in a, there's a documentary on, it's on Disney plus now, really good documentary on the oh. trilogy and the making of, but I believe it's there where, he talks about like a lot of the people who read the original script, you know, they say that they actually had issues with it. Obviously George Lucas's writing isn't known for being um, <laughs> Alec, uh, Sir Alec Guinness actually very famously said when he read the original screenplay and he's, you know, he's reading for Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. He, and I, I can almost quote like verbatim. <laughs> he says uh-huh. he's reading it, He's like, Oh, I really like it. The dialogue's a little problematic, but we can we can fix that. <laughs> so, you know, people knew about these issues for the longest time. But anyway, right. Daniels, um, he says that he was reading for C-3PO, and it wasn't until he saw the concept art of C-3PO on Tatooine mm-hmm. that he just, like... And, like, it's it's a very good pick. Like, the concept art's really good because it's, like, the C-3PO, like, staring at you. And he's, like, we just, like, Anthony Daniels says we just had this like very intimate exchange me and this concept <laughs> art of and i just nice. felt like i need to play this character he said right. something along those um, lines and it's like they do a really good job of like showing you the concept art as he's saying it and you feel it too you're like man this <laughs> like, the concept art telling you he's not lying we did right. connect yeah i'm gonna <laughs> while, while we move on to the next i'm gonna show her all the C-3PO concept art because... Okay. Ooh, doing it live. Doing it live. I'll, I'll hold it. Up. Doing it live. He's going to pull it out. But I need concept art, not just C-3PO. I feel so like that... Kind of up... Here it is. Here it is. All right. We'll do this uh... quick. All right. So he, he's showing him the concept Oh, yeah. Art. He's telling me. He's yeah. for sure telling me. <laughs> so look at that. Oh, my God. That's such an expressive face. I'm saying, like, like you look at that face here. Jamal's going to see it right now, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. See? Like, it's a super expressive. and so, like, almost more yeah, retro-futuristic than... 
Yeah, it's very retro futuristic. Everyone, if you want to see this, go Google C3PO concept art. I promise you won't do this too much more. I just felt the need to talk about it. Do it and watch that documentary on Disney Plus because I definitely am going to add that to the quarantine docket of (laughs) things to help (laughs) pass the time. Exactly. It's super good. Which on that note, everyone, stay safe, stay home, um, wash your hands, you know, listen to the proper sources of info out See. there okay mm-hmm. just had to give in that uh little two bits you can tell who here is going to be the doctor it's not me <laughs> <laughs> oh man anyways okay. yeah so we can move on to our next topic we put a pin in it earlier oh sure. yeah so we're just going to talk about in general the sequel <clears throat> trilogy where we feel star wars as a whole will go on from here um any misgivings, even things that we think the sequels might have done right to some degree. I mean, that list might not be very long, but <laughs> very brief. You know, we're we're gonna look at it from all angles. And but first, I think uh, we're all here is gonna get us started. Oh yeah, very eloquently. So, um, now originally, like when we the first trailers were announced for the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. I was like, like you know, giddy, like little, you know, oh, yeah. kid. Uh, uh, back then, anytime I'd see anything Star Wars, thinking, oh yeah, finally, finally they're doing something. And I remember watching the movie, and I thought overall it was a good movie. It wasn't like blow you away, you know, uh, a new like, like a sunset into like the, the new generation of Star Wars. Like, oh man, this is a golden age. No, it was mm-hmm. a good movie. It was yeah. entertaining. It was. What I like to think of it is like setting a solid foundation for what mm-hmm. could have been a great trilogy. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on could have been. <laughs> In comes the next movie. <laughs> Ryan Johnson. If I could have put in some type of expletives there, I probably would have. But we are a PG podcast, and so we will stay that way. <laughs> I think oh, that's the first time I ever heard him say the word without putting an expletive in the middle there. <laughs> that might be a first. Anyway. But it's like, so as a director, I love Ryan Johnson. His movie, Knives Out, that came out um, fairly recently, uh-huh. phenomenal movie. Like, if okay. you have not seen it, go watch it. It is it, it, I mean, they recently announced that they're going to be doing a sequel to, not necessarily a sequel, but carrying on kind of like the similar story with some of the same characters. And okay. I'm all for it immediately. Just after that movie, it was amazing. And watching that movie and seeing how well it was done made me even more upset because you have someone who is a proclaims himself as being a Star Wars fan. Like he was blown away, like being given this opportunity to direct and be a part of the Star Wars franchise. Mm-hmm. And one of the b- things I would hear constantly was about the fact that you have Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, <laughs> Luke Skywalker Luke? saying, hey, you know, I might have some disagreements about the direction you're taking with m- this character that I played. And everyone knows me as Luke Skywalker. Right. And being like, you know what, man? I'm pretty sure you're wrong about that. And so we're going to take your character in this direction and ha- <laughs> and 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 it, with with that cliffhanger at the Force Awakens and you're you know you're about to get there the introduction of Rey with Luke 
And if for it to fall so flat on its face with that movie, with this like just this Luke who literally saw and like redemption within like that Darth Vader after all the things that he's he had done was redeemable and right. refusing to kill him. That he was redeemable, but he has one bad dream about uh, uh, Ben, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know what? I guess I have no other choice. Gotta, gotta murder, murder him. That's right. Like, you think at this age, maybe when he was younger and he was maybe a little bit more impulsive, maybe he'd give in to that. But older, having all this time to be a Jedi Master, tuned with the Force, getting trained by Yoda, like all these different examples of reasons he should have the skill set to not, you know, just give in, like, God, I gotta murder this kid. <laughs> like, have, even if you don't, you know, not, you wanted to do something different, like, as a Star Wars fan, how could that possibly make sense? Not even, like, murder this kid, it's murder my nephew. Yes! Right, family. <laughs> yeah, which granted, we, we all know that that family isn't necessarily the most uh, wholesome relationship between everyone but yeah, at that point i think they kind of got everything sorted out to some i guess, I guess not but right it was all downhill from there for me and and yeah. that's the end of my rant yeah, like you, i can't i can't i just can't you know it's like looking at that movie i can excuse a lot of the other because you know people always like to point out the inconsistencies of like light speed it's like oh how can you you know light speed through another ship and it causes the damage they would have been doing this you know mm-hmm. like things like that logical inconsistency mm-hmm. light speed jumping yeah Stuff like that in uh, Rise of Skywalker, I can I can kind of look past that, but it's just yeah when you kind of like misunderstand a character on such a fundamental level, not even misunderstand, mm-hmm. just like like you said, go in this opposite direction where you have an entire trilogy of material as like the foundation for this character, right? Example after example as to why he wouldn't act that way. It's just mind boggling. And, like, uh, yeah, it, it felt like he was kind of, like, just trying... I, it felt like he was just trying to, like, fool us. Like, okay, like, he got us. Like, you know, we thought Luke Skywalker was this sagely old man who, like, knew, you know, like, who had been, like, devoting his life to, like, rebuilding the Jedi and, like, you know, understanding of the Force. Right. And then it's just kind of, like... Oh well, now it turns out he like abandoned that a long time ago, and you thought he was doing that, but he wasn't. Nah, he's just been drinking milk from this weird <laughs> twenty nippled alien, <laughs> the green milk, and he has these little alien nuns that just watch over him, and that's it. Elizabeth's <laughs> giving us weird looks as that's, bad. but um, I mean, once you say twenty nipples, that's too many. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It, it probably had a good 12 nipples. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just absurd. But yeah, no, I mean, and to kind of go back, uh, this isn't the beginning of uh, Mark Hamill's uh, kind of, I guess, disagree- although I guess disagreement is a strong word in this case, but I'll, I'll say I'll use it. Disagreements with the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great interview. Uh, I forgot the source of it, but there's a great interview with Mark Hamill where he's talking about his first reading of the Force Awakens script. And, you know, okay. obviously he doesn't appear for the whole movie till the very end. He doesn't mm-hmm. say a single word. It's just mm-hmm. like a single appearance. Majestic, like, hair blowing in the wind. Exactly. Right. Um, and imagine they had him, like, before. I mean, I don't know if it was before. I don't know what the timing is. But for the Force Awakens, they had him, like, 
get on a diet, start working out the whole nine yards. So if they started doing that before he even read the script, I can imagine he's thinking like, oh, dude, I'm going to be getting into some like really cool stuff. Like I'm going to be like doing these awesome fights and all this stuff. And then he doesn't do anything. But anyway, he's reading the script and he's just like, you know, he hasn't shown up yet. And he's like, he's turning page after page. He's like, oh, this is where I come in. Right. And then he doesn't come in. Keeps mm-hmm. on going. This is where I come in. Right. No, he doesn't come in. And then he says, there's one point in the movie where he says, yes, this is where I make my entrance. And it's when he, uh, it's when Ray and Kylo Ren are fighting in that, like, or not, no, I'm sorry. Um, Finn and Kylo Ren are fighting um, on the Starkiller base. Yeah, in that yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, the force, um, yeah. And then um, Finn just got taken out. Um, he's, like, knocked out cold. Um, or beyond that because he got like a giant slice in his back but um and then like you know the lightsaber shakes a little bit and then it goes flying out someone's force pulling it and then mark hamill says that when he was reading the he's like yes i'm gonna have the lightsaber i'm gonna come in and i'm gonna say the day which granted would have been a little gratuitous but that's kind of what the whole movie was going that's for at that yeah, point true um it was going for that pure fan service up until then but then, mm-hmm. no, it's Rey who knows how to use the Force, and she's just, like, the best ever, and she beats Kylo Ren, even though Kylo Ren has had years of training, and Rey is... This is the first time she's ever picking up a lightsaber. Well, not the first time she picks it up, but you know what I mean. Right. She just wields but, it like a master. <laughs> exactly. And so that's Mark Hamill. Like, he wasn't happy with her. Yeah, he, he wasn't happy with uh, the Force Awakens script to begin with. You know, he... He thought it would have been better to come in. I mean, I'm putting words in his mouth, obviously. Um, but more or less, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just that first movie. I'll agree with Earl did lay out a good groundwork. But then, yeah, Ryan Johnson just goes and like tries to, you know, oh, they tricked us like with a uh, Snoke. It's like, oh yeah, who's this guy going to be? He's you know this big dark side master Sith Lord type mm-hmm. thing and then they kill him in the next movie and it's like oh well it turns out it didn't matter what he was mm-hmm. oh hey we were hinting at what Ray's parents were but they were no one like and it's like well, why do you build up these mysteries I think it's just like the clash of these two kind of polar opposite directors mm-hmm. yeah um because J.J. Abrams he's known for like his they call it the mystery boxes where it's like he plants these mysteries and like he lets them grow 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 and then the end he'll like do the big reveal like and then ryan johnson who lives for those fake out plot twist moments which in their own movies i haven't seen knives out so i don't know what happens but i'm sure there is some sort of plot twist or something but in the context of single movies or even you know small little franchises yeah, sure, it's good. You can have these plot twists where, like, oh, this thing I was building up turned out really wasn't much. The character was just, like, overreacting to something or thinking too much. It works. But for Star Wars, when you're just building it up from the 70s, like, you know, they try to pin this as, like, oh, the Skywalker saga. It's been going on this whole time. And it's, like, you can't crash down everything that the originals stood for and then kind of say oh no but this is all telling one single cohesive story like no the trilogy mm-hmm. th- that the sequel trilogy didn't even tell one single cohesive story don't try and tell me that right. the rest of the movies also tell this story i mean yeah 
so frustrating. Like, the thing, like, for me is you have, like, and this is in the context of the, at that point, we've had, I don't know how many of the, the kind of, like, Marvel franchise kind of uh, pushed through so far at, mm-hmm. up to that point and seeing how they were doing so well. All these different movies, different characters, different directors, and being able to, like, bit by bit, like, kind of, like, paint more or less a pretty, like, cohesive picture um, um, once you got in all the Avengers movies. And, like, being able to tie in these storylines and doing, like, a good enough job to make it, like, work with which is mm-hmm. with a universe that is, you know, even more complex. And seeing them do that, but not being able to replicate that Star Wars, like, in the end, like, it felt like there was either no oversight or just terrible oversight in terms of like hey does this overall make sense as a you know in arc like big picture step back not just one movie like piecemeal like overall does it work together as a story like are we doing justice to these characters which by the way spoiler alert no we didn't you had like mm-hmm. like for example finn finn seemed like so cool this idea of like a stormtrooper who defected like are you kidding me That'd yeah, be awesome. And then they just make him like a token character, like yeah, yeah. race buddy. Oh man, he doesn't have Dude, the force. Imagine, but he tries so hard. Imagine <laughs> living in the alternate reality where, in Rise of Skywalker, he leads like this like stormtrooper rebellion against the first war. Oh my god. Dude, yeah, that would that would have been awesome. So I mean, yeah, I guess our takeaway with the sequel trilogy, um, to kind of you know put an end to this kind of negative, uh segment of our little one-off here um is you know there were some great ideas kind of Uh put in here and there but it's just the execution was not there at all and you can you can tell like you can see it because you you see in every movie they're trying to like almost like one-up each other or like I didn't like right. what done in that movie, so I'm going to change yeah. it. And even with the books, yeah, book writers go ahead and change things because they feel like it doesn't make sense. But then mm-hmm. it just, it's, uh, someone online at one point said it very well. Um, they said, I think going into the future and watching these movies one after another whatever brave souls decide to do that <laughs> right uh, but do, do whoever does that in the future is going to be hit with the biggest case of uh, directorial whiplash in like movie <laughs> history <laughs> and that's where i think you just really summarize it very well but yeah anything else you want to add in jamal i i mean i've i think i've um for lack of better words beaten this dead horse too much <laughs> yeah exactly and so, I've, I've complained and moaned about this movie so much that I'm kind of over it. Um, for sure. That's kind of how yeah, I feel, too. I, I'm, yeah, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, because, you know, I'll complain about it, like, being disappointed as a fan of Star Wars and how poorly <clears throat> movies are done. But there's also just mm-hmm. realizing that the Star Wars fan base is also pretty terrible. I mean, that's, um, that can and, go with any fan base, but 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 I mean, just looking at the the the, the amount of like um, actors who've been just completely like terrorized for oh, yeah. something that was completely out of their control, like they were just right. like, actors playing a role with a script that they were given. Exactly. So in the end, like one thing, like like towards those, and like you know, that's not the whole fan base, but that toxic subset 
in that fan base, I'm kind of glad that the movies are terrible because they didn't deserve <laughs> those. Right, fans didn't deserve a good movie. This is uh, the movies that they deserve. Oh man. <laughs> so with those uh, hot takes right there, um, uh-huh. yeah, just for the last little like couple minutes, um, Jamal, you've been playing a uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, oh yes, yes I have. So I mean, I played through the whole thing. Raw, I don't think you've. Uh... I've like done like I think about a good quarter of it. What do you wait? What are you playing on? Are you playing on the computer or? I had it on the Xbox, okay. but I have like a really okay. old Xbox, so it's been running terribly. Anyhow, mm-hmm. so Working. what are your thoughts on the games? Because I played through the whole thing, so it's going to be hard for me to stop myself wherever you guys are at. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I'm still pretty uh, early on. Again, like I got just started like a day ago or so. So gotcha. I've um, just left uh, Kashyyyk, I think it is, the planet with the Wookiees. Yeah, okay. so I- that's that's a good ways in. In terms yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. But I've noticed a game. It's it's one of those games where it's a lot of like you got to go back here and you got to go back to this planet. Yeah. And now that you have this new ability, now you got to use the ability on a planet you just visited to unlock more areas. It's so. it's a uh, those these kinds of games are called Metroidvanias. In case you guys mm-hmm. don't know, um, and so it's just kind of like yeah, you go, you get your power, you go to this planet or this location, you do what you mm-hmm. can, then you go somewhere else, you get the power ups that let you explore more, and then. Nah, I go back. To explore yeah. everything. Yeah, there's exactly. one planet. I forgot. It's like one of the first planets you're on. Um, Is it the Dorthmir? The no, where not, the Night Sisters are. Not Dathomir. Dathomir. Um, okay. I forgot. It's that's it's such a, a cool planet. That's such oh, a cool it's so planet. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but it's Zepho. That's what it's called. Zepho. Okay. Yeah. 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 Zepho. That the planet. Name. The map in the game is just massive. Like I remember mm-hmm. playing through it, and I'm just like. This is like a whole planet, like complete with like underground caverns mm-hmm. and like yeah. these abandoned cities, like mm-hmm. and just like that game is like in terms of like Star Wars was almost like just like if I could kind of distill Star Wars down to something that I like, it's like all these different areas and like locations are just all crazy unique from each other mm-hmm. and all these interesting characters. Oh yeah, definitely like, a lot of characters. Yeah. Yeah, just like playing through it's like this is just a huge chunk of what I love about Star Wars and like I'm glad um what studio was it? Was it man. What that created the game? I made the game. Um at the publishers is EA. I know yeah. that. Um the developers were Respawn. Respawn, that was Respawn. it. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Respawn Entertainment. I'm so happy they're getting to do a sequel. I just look forward. And how do you feel about the the main guy, Calcasis? Um, I mean, he's growing on me because it is still kind of early on where I'm at. So his character is um, definitely growing on me. Um, I mean, I like him so far as far as like his story goes. And I like how they um, just didn't give you all the powers up front. Yeah. He has to kind of well, yeah, he was unlock a, his powers. He was not mm-hmm. a Ray. Yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's not Ray. He doesn't. <laughs> wake up and you oh look at all these abilities <laughs> i have now Nah, he kind of has it's almost as if he has um because the way i'm uh, perceiving it it's almost as if he has like ptsd right so yeah. he's suppressed all of his memories and his abilities because of the events of what took place after uh, order 66 and seeing everyone else get like massacred and he had to go run and hide and 
during the events of all that, he kind of just lost all of his um, training skills. Yeah, I mean, he was in hiding on that uh, one like planet with all the you know spaceship <laughs> scrappers or mechanics or whatever they were. Right. Yeah. And he he was just ready to be like, all right, well, this is the life I live now. I am no longer a Jedi. Like, nope. I just yep. need to be in hiding because there are people who are coming to look for me. And mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. I mean, the second yeah. the second you could build a double lightsaber oh, in yeah. the game, won me over. Double. Oh yeah. End of story. Yeah, I got that feature pretty early on. When I went to visit uh, the the planet, the Dathmir. I think yeah. you said it was. Yeah. I, I went there and I was kind of snooping around, and I found it, and I was like, "Oh shoot!" I actually didn't get it until like later on in the game because I didn't explore Dathmir cool. that much, and I didn't get it until uh, like far into Kashyyyk. Um, gotcha. Which is really weird because it's like he's up on the top of these tall trees, and then he just finds like this uh-huh. workbench where he makes a double lightsaber. I'm like, wait, why were the supplies? <laughs> up on this tree wookies are into Mm -hmm. that stuff i mean sure but like i feel like they do that closer to the ground like nah this is like a tall tall tree dude maybe it was uh well well anyways um that's about all the time we have gentlemen uh and you know we just just start our 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 own podcast or maybe poach some followers from three broom chicks and there uh, we go. What's, what's what's the overlap on Harry Potter Star Wars fans? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> the overlap. <laughs> I mean, they kind of go hand in hand, right? It's it's fantasy. It's both. Yeah. Fantasy. I mean, very different fantasy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I wouldn't I call know. Harry Potter science fiction. <laughs> I can tell you that I've had less disappointment magic. with uh, Harry Potter movies than I've had with Star Wars movies. You That's know? true. That is very true. You know, fair enough. <laughs> So I can't say yeah. the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both sides have great books. Got to give that yeah to both of them. Uh, check yeah. out any book by Timothy Zahn. Great stuff. Okay. Shout out. Shout out to Timothy Zahn. There you go. Um. So yeah, that's about it. Um. So again, guys. Uh. My name is Raul. I'm Eric. And I'm Jamal. And uh, remember to subscribe to the Three Broom Chicks. Follow them. Like them. Tell your friends. They don't have anything else to do. They're in quarantine. Listen. Binge it. Do it. Love it. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. So hopefully you listen to our three friends, Eric, Jamal, and my favorite broom chick, Raul. Talk about Star Wars and all the hashtag multi fandom things. But um, if not, that one's cool too, because we're the OG broom chicks. But welcome back to the real yeah. broom chicks with our beautiful high voices. Uh, today Hello. is, of course, the Ginny episode. So that's who we're going to be talking about. Ooh. Yeah. So we totally have talked about her already, yeah. but you know, uh, you. We have a lot of new listeners, especially season two, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. again, I'm going to shout out our Minnesotans <laughs> still going strong. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> I appreciate and see you guys. Um, but yeah, so we're kind of going to repeat ourselves. So I mean, there's new us. stuff. We also anything, never... We've got yeah, some there's... new information, some new opinions. For sure. There's definitely some new stuff. But if you're like, damn, I feel like Elizabeth said this exact sentence in that earlier episode. It's because I don't remember (laughs) anything I say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ever. 
And I listen to the episodes three times because I edit them. So you honestly, know, I listen to me. them twice yeah. when we say them, and then when I listen, and it's like I black out, and I don't. Sometimes I legitimately don't remember saying anything, and I'm just like, "Whoa, Jenny, valid yes. point there." Bud. Absolutely. The worst <laughs> is like if I have students that are listening, and then they're like, "Oh my god, you said this, and it was so funny," and I was like huh why don't we also do... that's a lie they never say that about me they always say that about jenny what's but anyways. up i love all <laughs> students you're all my fave too um just really quickly i guess we should give everybody like a little bit of a background since we have so many new listeners but this is jenny talking to you um i'm a zookeeper elizabeth hi this is elizabeth and i'm a behavior analyst yes. Hel- hello this is marianne Wow. And I'm a teacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> I teach the youths of America. Scary what place. do you teach? I teach drama, speech, and debate. Wow. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. But mainly wow. theater, That's mainly queen. musical theater, mainly technical theater. Yes, yeah. Queen. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a director. Um, so just to give you guys a little bit of background, we usually have an owl post, which we're gonna have today. <gasps> Uh, but usually a live owl <gasps> hydrangea comes to deliver it but she's in quarantine right now just for her safety Absolutely. so there's no hydrangea there's today. no hydrangea today she's staying at no. home no it was all email it was all- no it was digital it was digital <laughs> yeah elizabeth right now is the currently is holding her over. like i know pet. Pet. hydrangea's a little scared that's pet, why pet, she's pet. quiet today oh <laughs> okay I mean, just in case you wanted to know, there's no proof that any animals can actually catch the strain of COVID-19 that is happening. We'll let y'all know. But out of a, an abundance of caution, we're keeping her inside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. We want future outposts. Okay. <laughs> we got it. She's precious. She's a precious bird that we have to keep safe. Okay. All right. Who's our first letter from? Our first (gasps) outpost is from our patron, Andrin. Shout out to Andrin. I love the sass that he is giving us. So he asks, film Jenny, whose fault was it? Ouch. That's a a big question you've got there. That's a significant rant (laughs) that Elizabeth is going to give you. Yeah, so this is our first pin. Pin in it. Oh, Jenny, you stole wow. it. Wow. For a second, I was like, was that me? And I was like, it's not. Did I not just have me. an out-of-body experience? I was like, whoa. I stole your soundboard. I'm coming for you. Uh, It's because I'm not bo- with my own soundboard today. I know. The, not the use. Oh, it's fine. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yes. This is going to be my big pin because I have a huge rant coming later. But also, yes, I agree. Henny for life. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I could always... do. Should, guys, should I save mine for a pin as well? Should we put a second pin? Yeah, let's just make or... it one giant pin. One giant well, pin, because it is a big, one big giant question. Pin. It is a very big question. All right, big giant pin for later. Pin in it. <laughs> That's my big pin in it. Yeah, my noise. pin was better. <laughs> Sucks yeah, to be it was, honestly. I'm not sure if I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. Okay, so our next outpost is from another patron whoa Whoa. Josie what's up Jojo Bean 
We love your girl. Yeah, we love your handle. That's why we always say Jojo Bean. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we also need to give her a huge shout out because in this crazy times, she actually upped her patronage. And wow, like you, you crazy girl, you crazy, you crazy girl. (laughs) But we love you. It literally made me cry. I don't even have emotions, and I was like, oh my, you guys. Oh, it's wow. fine. If you ma- thank you so much. Yeah, if you made Jenny cry, that's legit. Yeah, I've only <laughs> cried like three whole times in my life. Wow. I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> Ice queen. We got we got Elsa over here. Who? Multi fandom. Hello, Frozen. I haven't seen Hashtag. Frozen. What? What? How do you not know this? I'm pretty sure Whoa. that we've covered this Whoa. before. Whoa. Whoa. Oh my god! Okay, well, we can't get um, into this. This is a Harry Potter podcast. Judge me later. Oh my god! Oh my Hashtag god! Multi fandom. Listen, such a multi fandom. Let's pay attention to our patron Jojo Bean, who says yes, yes. Okay, so she asked. Hello, she asked. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hello, my name's Elizabeth. <laughs> I definitely think uh, this a uh, social distancing life has made me socially awkward at this point. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm going to put a pin in that, and I'm going to tell you a story after we answer JoJo's question. Okay. All right. So her question, finally getting to it, is <laughs> do you think she tried dating all those boys to get over Harry or to wait for Harry? Okay, wait. Because I have a saying. And Elizabeth, I don't know if you're going to be happy that I'm saying it, but I'm just going to go ahead. It's very heteronormative and it's very cisgender. Just, I apologize in advance, but the best way to get over somebody is to get under somebody else. That's all I'm going to say. Whoa. Maybe that's what she was doing. I don't know. Teen Domus. Teen (laughs) Domus. I'm shaking my head. I would be under Dean Domus any day. I mean, mean, who cares about Harry at that point? If he looked anything like the actor hell yeah <laughs> i don't think i i disagree <laughs> welcome to the three broom chicks where we objectify men <laughs> oh my god sorry marianne i just had to sprinkle that in there i i just like i i disagree i don't think she Ginny. let's be real i don't think Ginny did any of that for harry like Ginny is her own person. Ginny was like, and this is, I guess, part of my rant later in the episode. Ginny was not written intently to be the love interest of Harry Potter. I'm, but it, sorry, but excuse me. Like, no. English. Sorry, but excuse me. (laughs) Sorry, but excuse me. I think, I think she just like was an attractive young woman and like she probably got bored yeah i'd be bored i'd be like okay like clearly this dude's not into me i'm gonna move on now not even and that then, like she's probably like oh wait like he's into me for sure exactly like there's no interest here okay fine i'm gonna go find where my i am appreciated you know date around like <laughs> bye not no there's like no choice consciously made because oh harry's not giving me attention and oh because he's better than Harry. no yeah no no i think it's also could be a possibility of she kind of just grew 
out of liking Harry and then stumbled upon liking him again. Kind of exactly when she originally liked him, it wasn't he she didn't like him for him. She liked him for the name Harry Potter. You know, she had this like yes. per- person built up in her head and this person was like distant because he was her brother's best friend and he was older and he was a legend and all this stuff. So it was kind of like a celebrity crush, which then and she was also what, like 10 doing this? 10, yeah. 10 11 years old, like being. This I mean, obsessed. listen, so you like, know, you know, at 10 years old, I knew that I was in love with Joe Jonas. It hasn't stopped. Well, yeah, at 12 years old, I knew I was in love with Zac Efron. It never stopped. <laughs> I can't see with you in Zac Efron. But, but they, they remained that celebrity status. So I think like her relationship with Harry was built up, then built down where she got to know like the real him. It's just like, okay, he's just like my brother's friend. Where like, you know, like in most cases, your sibling's friend just becomes super platonic and like just like yeah celebrities they're one of us (laughs) yeah they become one of us that's what happens and it's only again when you know they're at more of a mature age not very mature they're only 15 and 16 but more mature that they realize that she actually does have real feelings for him i just think they're just like separate instances okay so you guys know that I love to like sprinkle in little tidbits about my personal life here and there. So I'm going to give you yet another life update. Elizabeth mentioned how this quarantine is making her like socially awkward. But let me tell you how I just discovered that I am super socially awkward. I went to Costco this weekend. You guys already know this story. But I went to Costco. I had to sign up for a membership because I'm becoming an adult. It's like official. And so I'm literally standing at the counter and this dude is signing me up. And he's into me, I guess. I don't know. I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure that he's into me, right? So we're talking, and I'm wearing my Deathly Hallows necklace. <laughs> and he's like, oh, so you like Harry Potter? And I'd just given him my ID. <laughs> I was like, where are you getting this information? Like, how do you know that? So immediately, I'm like, is this guy stalking me? And he's looking at me like, no, dude, you're wearing a necklace from Harry Potter. And I'm like, you're right, fam. So we start talking about Harry Potter (laughs) and he's like, what brings you to Costco? And I'm like, actually, I need a laptop because if you're following the Chronicles of the Cursed podcast, I'm moving (laughs) out and I can't use my brother's (laughs) laptop or digital mixer anymore. And then I obviously bought a digital mixer to use myself with my laptop. And then my laptop was just like, no, we're not going to turn on. It's fine. So I go to Costco. This guy's like, what do you need? I'm like a laptop. And he's like, oh, yeah, like for sure, especially with COVID, like everyone's at home. And I'm like, yeah, actually, like I just I run a podcast with my friends. So like I need a laptop. I'm in a dire need of this. And he's like, oh, I love podcasts. What do you talk about? And I'm like, actually, Harry Potter. And he's (laughs) like, that's so amazing. Like, what do you guys talk about? And I'm like, I just told you we talk about Harry Potter. And he's like, well, like. (laughs) he's like conspiracy theories or like what and i'm just like no dude like we pick all random topics and that's what we cover that week like why are you giving me the like the drill right now but whatever (laughs) i'm like literally i can't even make eye contact like i am internally 
dying because he's being so nice to me. Mind you, like every other 26-year-old girl, I'm planning our whole ass life together. So then he's like, like, come take your picture, blah, blah, blah. He's like, what's the name of your podcast? And I literally covered my whole face. And I was like, the three broom chicks. <laughs> he was like, he just started laughing at me. And I was like, it's a pun, sir. Like, it's so good. I was like, because of the three broomsticks. I literally told him, I was like, there's three of us. And it's a pun. And he just started laughing at me. And I was like, okay, well, let's go take my picture for this card. And then he, and then he's like, I'm like, are we going to have to take my picture? And he's like, yeah step over here so I started to arrange my hair to be you know somewhat presentable because it was not and he's like don't worry you look really good and I was just like I don't know what to oh my god say. it was so awkward you guys and I was just like it's been so long since I've seen like another human being that's not like my family that I was just like oh my god my skills have crashed and burned and that was my very long-winded story the end but I would just like to say your skills have crashed and burned so hard that the same guy that you told him the exact name of our podcast and if you might be listening, I know totally might be listening to the latest episode. I'm aware. I know. I'm sorry, sir, that I was awkward. (laughs) Greg, if you're listening, I'm out here. Greg from Texas. Get her up. He's single and ready to mingle via FaceTime. <laughs> he, he may not be. I don't know. He could have just been being nice. It's his job. But I am so unaware of those things that I just don't know. I already knew that he might be listening to this. I just, you know, I took the risk. I'm probably never going to see that dude again. So I'm literally crying. This is too good. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. So- I'll make sure to follow up with the Chronicles of Jenny. So, uh, I guess our next outpost? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Our next outpost, Hmm, back to professionals, is uh, from Ariana. And I really just, can we take a second? Because I really, I know that I say this every Every time, time. but like I have mad love for Ariana. Like I just do. Ari, Ari. We love you. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, if they kept book and movie Ginny similar, would she have been more likable in the films? Oh my god, I feel like everyone Absolutely. is hating on Ginny. Yes. They're not hating on book Ginny, they're hating on movie Ginny. I didn't I... hate on movie Ginny until I met you people. Yeah. I Boom. I think people would love Ginny. I think people would finally ship Harry and Ginny the way that they should. Yes. You know, there, yes. there's the whole freaking fandom out there who's like harry and hermione harry and hermione well it's just because the movie set it up that way you know because the movies even though i like like half of them pretty much they're trash for the most part for being like renditions from the books they're trash so therefore they did her super dirty and therefore no one cares about me right now Uh, you're really annoying me because you're not talking about any old movie you're basically saying that the Half-Blood Prince is trash. There's no other movie that you think is trash. No. Mm. Can, I, can I say my other least favorite book rendition? Is it Deathly Hallows because of Voldemort? N- no. Believe it or not. That <laughs> just stands alone. That just stands alone. Wait, hold alone, on. I want to like, guess. Separate. I want to guess. Let's test our friendship. Go ahead. Is it Goblet of Fire? 
It is. <laughs> I, I was going to say, if it was any other It would be that one, yeah. It's also because it's my least favorite, too. After the Half-Blood Prince. Ha! I answered it on social media. I explained myself. Thanks to whoever answered that question or asked that question. Okay. Anyways, our last owl post is from Parakeet Olives 27. Side note, this reminds me of one of the lives that we did and Jojo Bean was talking to us and she had that hashtag about the olives. Oh, my God. That's in a (laughs) distant memory of mine. Oh, my God. You're welcome. I laughed for like 20 minutes after she said that. I don't even remember what the hashtag was, but there was definitely olives involved. There were. Anyways, thank you, Parakeet Olives, for that uh, nice throwback. (laughs) But your question was, what an icon. I mean, honestly, (laughs) she went through so much and came out happy and golden. You know what? Not not even a question, but yes. Yes. <laughs> but yes. But yes. Like, Honestly, I love it. I will say, Parakeet Olives, whoever you are, you're slowly changing my mind. When I was writing this episode, I was like, damn, I'm really not into Ginny that much. And then I read that and I was like, I I love this. And I was like, maybe I do love Ginny. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast where we think every episode besides Sirius Black and the Golden Trio is mediocre. And then by the end of it, we're obsessed <laughs> with them. And they're our new favorite episode. I mean, character, not episode. So, like, guys, this isn't that good. Like, whatever. Like, Neville's super okay. And then by the end, I'm like, Neville's a sweet angel that we will protect at all costs. Except Harry. I did not feel that way about Harry. We still did the Harry episode, and I was like, yeah, he's okay. Wow, bye. That means we just need to do it again. He can't even do his paperwork. He can't can't even do his paperwork. (laughs) All right, so... While we get into this Ginny Weasley, we're going to follow the same format as we did for Neville and Luna, where we kind of give you a little bit of background, some cool facts that we found, mm. and then we're going to hit you with our points of interest. Uh, but the mm. first thing that we're going to do is start off with a quote from the book that I think it just kind of sums up like Ginny's whole vibe here. So we've got to hear a quote uh, from Ginny talking to Harry, and it says, the thing about growing up with Fred and George is that you sort of start thinking anything's possible if you got enough nerve. I love that quote. I think Ooh. it's just like a really good shout out to Fred and George, and now I want to listen to our Weasley family episode yeah, again. do it, Ooh. because if this does come out on April 1st, it's their birthday. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. We will always preface that it might not have come out on April 1st because, you know, whatever. Because right now it's super late on March 30th, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) We are recording really late. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So uh, some background info. She is in Gryffindor House. Really starting to get fed up with saying that. Really original, JK. Um, Get it together. Gryffindors are great. This is why I'm tired of talking about Gryffindors, but whatever. Um, This kind of stems into some issues that I have with a general lack of diversity in the books, but today is not the day. So I would kind of love to hear the Gryffindor opinion on that because, like, I'm kind of sick of it, but you guys may not be. But before you guys give me your opinion, Fred and George did have bets going that Ginny would be sorted into Slytherin. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they mention it in the book. Does it ever say why? It doesn't say why, but they do mention it in the book. I forget what conversation is happening, but basically they had money on it. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe it was just like a poke, like to kind of mess with their little sister. Stupid little sister. Oh, <laughs> Harry Potter. Meatball. I can't see. Oh, God. 
Um, but, but I don't know that. Like, I don't see that. I kind of do. You know, I could. I kind. I can. Yeah, I can. I, can. I think there's more Gryffindor there, but I I can see like the vibe. So I totally think if we're talking about like you know how there's like the whole like house rising thing. Oh, then yes, that would be her rising. Yes. Yeah, she's. <laughs> She's a total yes. Slytherin rising, Gryffindor yes. Slytherin rising. I can you know? agree. I feel like that. we should explain that. So a couple of months ago, like out of nowhere, <laughs> Marianne was just like, "I'm a Gryffindor with a Hufflepuff rising." No, with so a Ravenclaw now- rising. Get I'm it sorry, together. I knew it. I knew that I was going to be wrong. But anyways, <laughs> Marianne has this new rising thing. Like when you have like an astrological sign and you have a rising <laughs> sign, Marianne has just applied that to the Hogwarts houses. And I feel like it really solves a lot of the problems. Yeah, like, I, I feel like I'm a Ravenclaw does. with a Hufflepuff rising. Yeah. On a bad a- day with a Slytherin rising. <laughs> because as we've, I think we've mentioned this in old episodes, probably like, I think it was our very first episode, but mm-hmm. everybody has a mixture of most of these attributes. It's just yeah. the one that's the most, like the one that you stick to the most, the one yeah. that kind of uh, focuses and, like prioritizes and leads and guides your personality that's what your actual house is but you have are a combination of all these traits um some more than others um and that's why i say ravenclaw rising because i just happen to also be a pretty creative person so yeah yeah i am gryffindor with a strong hufflepuff rising (laughs) absolutely 100 (laughs) percent okay so this is gonna tie in to a later rant that is going to gloriously occur. But we don't know a lot about her wand. Like, I really wanted to give you guys wand information because I was able to find so much about Neville and Luna's. Um, But there was just one thing that you can find about Jenny's wand. And, by the way, it was released, like, years after the series had been published because J.K. Rowling was asked a question by somebody and she addressed it. So, we'll get there. But her wand is made of yew wood. Which, Ooh, that's actually, that part you. is taken from um, Ollivander's notes on Wandwoods. And you can find that on the Wizarding World. That's not as good as Pottermore. I'm just going to say it. Um, <laughs> but there's a, a couple of, like, interesting things here. But basically, wands that are made out of you wood. That's such a hard thing to say. They're, like, kind of a lot more rare than you would expect out of, like, a typical wood or whatever. I mean, I've heard of it. But I guess there are rarer kinds of wood for wands. Um, their ideal witch or wizard is kind of like an unusual sort of person or like occasionally they can be notorious. And there's actually a lot of, um, what do you call that? Like not gossip, but there's a lot of stuff surrounding, yeah, like rumors surrounding you as a wood for wands. (laughs) But basically, this is so so hard to say. I'm so sorry. I hate this word so much. But basically people are, it's like a stigma. We'll be like, oh, like you have a you wand, like you must be an evil person. Like usually it's attached to bad peeps, but obviously Jenny's not a bad peep. Okay. So some people say that it's just like yeah. they're powerful wizards or they're great wizards, not so mm-hmm. much that they're bad. That yes. makes so much sense. Snaps. Yes. Yeah. And this totally ties into her Slytherin rising. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But also, yeah. um, one of the words that Ollivander uses in his notes of people that have these wands is that they're fierce. And I totally think that that's a word that's like perfectly used to describe Jenny. Yes. So I think it really just matches. I I agree. Like, oh, 
I I think in her in her whole aspect, like she's got an amazing bat bogey hex. Yes, like, and then we see her patronus, which is a freaking horse. Yes, and like horses are known to be very fierce, like creatures. So I just think like overall, it's just very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also before you continue, Marion. There's like a little fun fact mm-hmm. that I wanted to throw in. Apparently, when wizards are buried with their wand, if it's made of you, it'll root into the ground and then it'll literally grow into a tree, like protecting where that wizard or witch is buried. Aww. Which is like crazy. Like that is so cool. That Whoa. Is so You're cool. welcome. Wow. Wow. My mind is blown Hashtag right now. That is so cool. Isn't isn't Voldemort's Wandwood the same exact wood? Yes. Like, isn't it also you? Oh my god. <gasps> yeah. That's actually Oh my god. I love that because then stop it. So the <laughs> core or the core, right? The core, what's actually inside the wood, it, they're the same, like Harry and Voldemort. And then there's oh. Ginny with the same wand wood. Uh, they're like you can't, wand soulmates. Wand soulmates. You can't tell me. You can't tell me that that's not a sign that Henny is for life. Hashtag oh. you can't tell me. <laughs> hashtag you can't tell me. You can't tell about me. it. <laughs> this new hashtag came late in the game, but I found it. <laughs> hashtag oh, you dear. can't tell me. You can't tell me. Oh boy. Oh man. I'm dead. But seriously, like, I don't know. Maybe that, honestly, I think that's probably more of a a JK coincidence. Like, I don't think those are one of her etymology, like, um, researched, planned. Oh, that was totally planned. Girl, please. Totally planned. I don't think this, the want, the want core and the want wood, you think that was planned? Okay, so want woods was originally written in the book. Like, we knew, like, not wood, the core. So we knew that Harry and Voldemort from book one share the same core. However, yes. we never knew Voldy's wand would until the internet and the availability of more information. So she very easily could have been like, oh, you know, I wrote that Harry and Ginny ended up together. And I think it would be kind of cool to put like, you know, Voldemort and Ginny's wands together. I think you're right. That's true. It's not It's not in the yeah, book. JK. Not in the book. I think she had it all planned out. She knew that they were going to end up together from the get-go. I read an article. She said so herself. Well, she also said that Ron and Hermione were going to end up together from the get-go. And then look at us now. I I don't know, man. We're not going to get angry. We're just going to, we're going to continue on here. But I'm just saying, I think the lady's a mastermind and she did it from the Mm. get-go. All right. So we're moving on then uh, from JK's, you know, planned, uh, Planned shenanigans. Um, <laughs> but I would just like to say, because I'm in a very kind of ranty mood right now, um, the Wizarding World, like, does not have a fact file for her. Um, I know Jenny already kind of alluded to this earlier in our episode, because we've gotten the opportunity with Luna and Neville to know stuff like how many times they were mentioned in the books. But now, Ginny, who was literally, like, at least in comparison to Luna introduced a lot sooner had an integral part to the story, at least sooner than like what we know of Neville. And she does not have a fact file. Like how can I need an explanation? I am going to come out with a new hashtag that actually Marianne wrote last night. Justice for justice for Ginny. 
Hashtag just just it's so rude. Like what's happening? Yeah. It's I just, so rude because you guys know how much I love her. And I I don't know. They're saying that like slowly they're updating Pottermore and stuff like that. But how long has it been since Wizarding World has been a thing? And we still don't have this fact file. This is lazy. We've literally, lazy. we have been complaining about this since season one. Yes, absolutely. And our complaints will not go silent. No. no. Bring it back just, Pottermore. Bring back Pottermore. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we just, we're missing, we're missing information. And it's so it's so hard to like keep track of all of this. Like who's going to be able to like actually sit down through the books. I mean, we would love to, you know, we might have time now in the quarantine to go through the books and count how many times girl I work. No, but me too. But the whole, (laughs) so do I technically, but the matter of the fact (laughs) is the matter of the fact is, is that this information should be available. And considering that Ginny Weasley has such an integral part to the plot it's just unacceptable, and I'm upset. And this is like a little oh, little splice of my upsetness, oh. my rant. This goes. <gasps> this is. I think this is a pin of mine. Oh, oh man, a second, oh, like a third pin. We got three pins now. Oh yeah. Well, I feel like the other two pins are just rolled up into the one larger pin. Yeah, it's the yeah. big pin or whatever you did. Put it in. There, I, I didn't can't want do you it. to do it again. I but can't anyways. even with either of you right now. Anyways, I'm just gonna. I know that you're mad. We don't have numbers or whatever, but I would hazard a guess that Ginny is probably mentioned somewhere in the range of what Neville and Luna were. They're mm. probably like at you, the same level. You know but... what? I think she might be mentioned less. She might be. Because I feel like for a while there, it just kind of goes like after Chamber of Secrets, they're like, okay, like whatever, little girl, like go get your life together, I guess. No one's going to really worry about yeah. you. Even yeah, after they... you were possessed and controlled by like the darkest wizard ever. It's fine. But I feel like for three and four, she's kind of like super absent. Yeah, she and... she's super absent in three and four. And then in four, we only hear her going to the ball with Neville. Mm-hmm. That's like her only mention in basically the whole book. Yeah. And then in five, She's there and like she's definitely there in the battle of the Department of Mysteries and all the DA meetings and stuff. Yeah. And all the DA meetings. I mean, we'll get there. But Um, again, I feel like not really there, not as there as Neville and Luna during this time, and especially Luna. Like Luna of the Silver Trio takes center stage in book five, I think. Mm -hmm. And then we don't, I feel like I never got to like feel Ginny's like real presence until book six. So that's why I think she actually might not be mentioned as much. She was definitely still, but she was definitely still mentioned. I mean, I disagree. I think she was mentioned just as much as the others, because if you look, Luna wasn't introduced until book five, but still has around the same average mentions per book that Neville does. Yeah. And I I specifically remember in book three, um, just because like I kind of wish this was something that like this is one of the stuff that I wish in Prisoner of Azkaban the movie had where it was like Ginny and Neville were in the room when Harry fainted um, in the Hogwarts Express. Like, oh, yeah. So she was around. She just wasn't really like as like, yeah, uh, active. Mm -hmm. So if I like if I were to Google right now and find a Dean Thomas or a Seamus Finnegan fact file or even a Crab and Goyle fact file, I'd be hella pissed because oh you're like tempting me to live Google. I want you yeah. to kind of live Google, honestly. I I yeah. will say like the way we're feeling about like Jenny being mentioned in the books right now is, I guess, Joe's point. You know, Jenny 
from the eyes of our star protagonist, Harry Potter, was just Ron's little sister Mm -hmm. very much in the background and didn't really take much place in his life until Mm -hmm. the end of fifth year going into sixth year. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was left Googling and I thought that I found... So Pottermore used to do these like infographics where it was like how many times the character was mentioned, like what their favorite food is, like, you know, like different little facts like that. And it was like a big... um, sort of like animated thing and i thought i found one for dean thomas but i didn't i just found a normal article oh my god i thought they had really i thought they had really done my girl dirty but no he had the same treatment as her they're on they're on par again shouldn't be that way but okay ish i mean listen for uh, the girl who ends up marrying like the protagonist she's (laughs) super underserved yes absolutely a thousand but yeah so Back into, like, some fun facts and, like, a little background info. I had no idea that her middle name was Molly. Yeah. I didn't. Did you guys know this? I did. Yeah. I didn't know her real name. Flashback to, like, the Weasley family episode. I didn't know her name was Ginevra, but what? Okay. 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 Well, I had no idea that her middle name was Molly. And that also just seems super weird to me. Like, what? You pushed out your kid and you were like, I did a super good job. Let's name her Molly. Like, what? Maybe it was like Arthur's idea. And she was like, That's it's still weird, weird to me. Like, like, I'm yeah. not going to pop out a kid and be like, your name is going to be whatever Jennifer. Like, that's weird to me. But whatever, I mean, there are women who name their child themselves. Yeah. Hashtag that's very true. Fandom to the Gilmore girls. The lore like Gilmore's. Yeah. I don't I don't know about that. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. You, you, you keep doing multi-fandom things. No, I haven't. I'm oh sorry. Oh my god. Mm-mm-mm. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. All right, so you need to watch Frozen, Frozen 2, and all of Gilmore Girls oh during god. our social distancing no. period. I'm not really like I yes, I am social distancing, but I'm working. Okay. I don't have any extra time. <laughs> Boo. Anyways. <clears throat> this is all going to lead into finally our first point of interest as we call them. Um I made it like the Chamber of Secrets, like her first kind of point that we're going to talk about, even though we do technically meet Ginny in Philosopher's Stone. She's just like super mm-hmm. young. She's like that awkward girl who has like a crush and she's hiding a lot, whatever. So it's it's like not really that yeah. impressive or whatever. She's just like, mom, like I want to go to Hogwarts. But yeah, she's like so, nine or ten. She's like, Marie. yeah, she's got. Yeah, she's like ten. All right. Well, she might have turned ten that year or whatever. But yeah, she's like super young, and kind of like irrelevant. So I just skipped ahead to Chamber of Secrets. But um, I feel like this is the book that probably focuses on Ginny, like, the most throughout the series, just because we get all that, like, content with her at the end, because obviously Lady V has possessed her. Um, But Mm -hmm. the book also gives us something that I'm not willing to ignore, and it's the Valentine's Day poem that she writes Harry. And it literally makes my skin crawl like I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) And so, of course, <laughs> I'm going to make all of your skin crawls right now and read it for you. I'm so excited. His eyes are as green as a fresh pickled toad. His hair is as dark as a blackboard. <laughs> I wish he was mine. He's really divine. Oh the God. hero who conquered the Dark Lord. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> before this happened wait. sorry wait 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 I can't. this happened 
This poem happened <laughs> at the same time that Voldemort was inside Ginny's head. Oh! So all I can picture is Lady V in the corner of Ginny's mind. Like, <laughs> like ew, this is so gross and cringy. Ugh, it's also gross because it's like this little hairy like angel dude who's just like singing at him. I don't like it. Yeah, this whole this whole part just made me hella awkward. It's even worse that they're only like eleven <laughs> and twelve. So I'm <sighs> thinking like, oh my god, I'm literally thinking of eleven and twelve year olds doing this, and it's just mm. it's just really weird because you're still you you're so awkward. You're so awkward already. Like, why make can't. it worse for yourself? Uh, like, who, oh man, okay, please tell me. Like, mm-hmm. even in your eleven year old brain, that you would realize <laughs> that this is not a good idea. That this I mean, is not something that should be done. It's not even good. Like, why would you want your eyes to be the color of a fresh pickled toad? I don't Just know. I, gross. I, I feel like wizards have like a thing with toads that they Clearly. just like them. They just have a weird whole vibe. Like a lot of them. But a lot of them have. <laughs> it's a very weird Vernon vibe. of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Vernon. Look. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. So the poem is very cringy, but you also have to give her props. That's like, I would have never done that. I would have never nope. had the bravery inside me. Never. No. Nope. Never. So, Why? Like, I, I think just... at one point I did have that bravery, and then I was shot down real oh, quick. Oh, actually, yeah, me too. That was it. Shout out to Carlos. <laughs> you broke me. So... <laughs> <laughs> wow, this episode has a lot of Jenny T. I really yes. hope... People are listening to this full episode that's probably going to be over three hours long between Star Wars and Ginny Weasley. I can't. Do you want me to? I can sprinkle some life update in there if you want. We're good. (laughs) Anyways, so obviously we find out at the end of the book that Ginny has been, you know, like possessed the whole time and like everything with the Chamber of Secrets was her. Well, her through Lady V. But this is interesting to me for many reasons. And by many, I mean two. The first one is that she is directly tied into the storyline that gives rise to very important elements throughout the book. So obviously, Mm -hmm. we end up finding out that there's horcruxes in the storyline. And they're obviously like a very pertinent part of the story. But the Tom Riddle diary that's controlling Jenny is the first Horcrux that we know of, but also the first Horcrux that Harry kills, albeit I feel like that was a really good way for JK to directly tie Jenny into Harry's story. But do you guys think that the symbolism here is kind of tied mm-hmm. together? Like Harry is dealing with the topics that eventually lead him in- into like, it makes me feel uncomfortable saying it, but like into his manhood (laughs) but it also like it starts with the girl that is with him through his manhood like do you get what i'm saying does that make sense (laughs) okay one we need to stop (laughs) saying manhood all right drop that just say (laughs) drop it like it's hot puberty just say i don't know growing up i don't know but okay yes okay so harry starts to deal with all these topics that make him grow up right but then also Ginny is there at the beginning of that process but Ginny is also there once he's kind of grown and he's accepted that he needs to go off into the woods and die like that's his girlfriend at the time so do you think that JK did that on purpose I mean yes I totally if she knew from the very beginning like she says she does which again I feel like (laughs) I'm taking everything she says with the grain of salt lately 
But if she said that they were meant to be together from the very beginning, then she might as well have woven that into the storyline from the very beginning. I was going to say, I think it's just like convenient. I'm sure like she had to have done it. She had the power to do so. It's very early on in the series. Like she could have had the, she needed the plot device to, and she needed to give it to a character. And if she had this plan all along for them to get together, why not make it her? And no one would see it coming. I mean, it was the perfect, the perfect plot. Yeah. I also think, so my second point of why I think it's interesting is it makes Ginny one of the only people who can actually sympathize with Harry later on because Mm -hmm. she knows exactly what he's going through. And so obviously I think that's like a really big theme throughout the books. Like Harry and Lady V share a connection because they share part of a soul, whatever. And they have the mind Mm -hmm. little telepathy stuff going on. But yeah, that's my favorite part about <laughs> Elizabeth is making fun of me because I took my hand and I'm just like bopping my forehead with it. Like, yes, they share a mind. But <laughs> also, like we've mentioned in the past, Jenny was also controlled by Lady V and knows specifically what it is like to have him in like her head. Like, it's not just like, oh, yeah, dude, like I get it. Like, it's totally weird. Like, no, she knows that it's totally freaking weird. But I never put two and two together until the I went onto the eight Harry Potter lexicon. I was gonna say HP Harry Potter lexicon. Um, but it states yeah. that she's the only other person to be possessed by Lady V, but also survive it. Yes, Whoa. yes. Which I didn't even like. That did not even occur to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm here. I feel like uh, like again that meme of like the the person computing math because I'm trying yeah. to like think of every single time Lady V possessed someone in the book and I'm like okay did they live no did they live no did they live oh crap no no no, no. yeah like he always kills them and then this is mm-hmm. like the only two people to ever survive it are them two like it's crazy Whoa. and they're children too when they survive it it's uh, awesome you're oh my god that blew my mind even more that's like a whole other that's a whole other layer. Like, adults didn't survive it. Oh, my God. Children did. Literally cannot even. Wow. Mm -hmm. Lady V underestimates love and underestimates the child. Mm -mm. (laughs) But, yeah. He was meant for doom. (laughs) We already knew that, though. Shout out to our (laughs) Lady V episodes. Episodes. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, there's this really cool quote that I'm going to read. And it's uh, Harry to Ginny. And he says, I didn't want anyone to talk to me, said Harry, who was feeling more and more nettled. Mm. Well, that was a bit stupid of you, said Ginny angrily, seeing as you don't know anyone but me, who's been possessed by you-know-who. And I can tell you how it feels. Harry remained quite still as the impact of these words hit him. Then he wheeled around. I forgot, he said. Lucky you, said Ginny coolly. Ooh. Drop the mic. I, I like want to drop don't my mic, so but like expensive. I don't want to drop my mic because like this is like when I was reading the books, I literally like stood up and snapped for Ginny because like I think it was up yes. until this point that Harry super underestimated yep. her. And I was like, oh crap. Like you are legit. I think this is the moment like he fell in love with her, honest, honest to God. Oh, that was my next question to you guys. Like, do you like legitimately think that this played like a major role in the relationship or was it kind of just like an added bonus? Oh, no, I think it played a major role. Like, I'm a firm believer that Harry, even though technically Ginny had feelings for Harry first, like that was just very like childlike feelings, like a crush. But Mm -hmm. I think like genuine 
like feelings harry had them first for Ginny. i think this was around the same like like around the same time I ravenclaw just... can you tell me where is this quote from <laughs> um i don't remember because i didn't write it down <laughs> damn it um I, I think it's from the order of the phoenix yeah it is actually yeah almost every single quote that i pulled is from order of the phoenix I'm pretty sure okay. it is. Yeah. So if this is from Order of the Phoenix, then I will say that this did have a major role in Harry having feelings for her because it isn't until after this in Half-Blood Prince, even before like we obviously knew that Harry was into Ginny from the very first moment they made that potion in Slughorns. And he's like, what's that smell? Mm. It's so familiar. It's so loving. And then later mm. we find out it's like Ginny's scent. It's like the smell of Ginny and the Weasleys and all that stuff. Like, I think already from there, his subconscious was having that not only familiar attachment, but also that, like, you know, romantic and sexual attachment to Ginny. Mm-hmm. I am going to disagree with the both of you. What? I I don't think, I mean, obviously, it had a role to play in the relationship, but I don't think that it was like a major drive to spark his feelings. I think that Harry, had this not happened to her, had the Chamber of Secrets never happened to her, had it been someone else, I still think that Ginny and Harry would have ended up together. Really? Okay. So I'm I'm going to tie this in. I think Elizabeth is mad at me. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to tie this into my personal life. So I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from here. Okay? So for those of you who don't know, me and my husband, Raul, have been together since high school. But we got mm-hmm. together senior year of high school. However, we had been friends and in the same like friendship group since freshman year. I have no memory of that whatsoever. And I feel that's kind of similar to Harry where it's like Ginny was there and there like second year because of the Chamber of Secrets. But after that, she kind of like disappeared mentally from his life. Like she didn't play an importance in him. And in my life... (laughs) <laughs> I didn't notice Raul. So my husband, like Harry Potter, wears glasses. But back in the day, he wore like those thin frame nerdy glasses. And he was also like really short. Um, he had a human growth deficiency. So, you know, he got his human growth hormones. He changed up his cl- his glasses to like these very modern thick frame black ones the summer before senior year. And I legit remember kind of like in that moment of Harry of kind of like, whoa he's a person and then i took notice of him and it's only after that that i guess raul was formed as an actual human being in my mind and that sounds so bad but you know my husband understands this and that's when our relationship could move forward into a friendship and then obviously eventually like you know now he's my husband we have a family together i feel like it's the same thing with harry and Ginny with this moment in order of the phoenix where it's kind of like this was the moment where it kind of like smacked Harry in the face to realize like, hello, Ginny's here. She's a person allowed their friendship to form, which then allowed a relationship to form. Boom. I still disagree. I have a lot of my You can mic drop all you want. I still disagree with I, you. But also, before we continue, I, mean, I will never forgive you for that. Hashtag justice for Raul. He may have forgiven you, but I have not. I'm sorry I really don't remember him there are pictures of him in my house when we were like 15 16 years old and I legit do not remember him ever being in my home you're not making it any better I'm sorry I will I will say this before we move on 
Um, I think Ginny, uh, Ginny, well, I think Jenny <laughs> is right in some way, in some way, not completely <laughs> in some right. Way. In some way, she's right in the sense that, like, I think whether or not Ginny were to be the one chosen, like, by Voldemort to do this whole entire plot during mm-hmm. Chamber Secrets, I think she would have still have been the one for Harry. However, I think they got to were able to get together sooner because of that. Because of Chamber Maybe Secrets. Maybe I can... Events. I'm not I'm not satisfied with the way that I described it the first time around, so I'm gonna try just one more time. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that this did play a major role in their relationship. I mean it's that is undeniable. But I don't think that Harry is that deep. Like I don't think that this moment happened and Harry was like oh my god I like this girl what like I don't think that it spurred those kinds of thoughts in his mind so whether subliminally it played a role or whatever like I don't think that it was just like at the forefront of his mind like oh my god like you're so right like we have so much in common like let's go on a date like I just think it was of course but again this is is gonna be like at the forefront he's 15 years old yeah okay, and so this is the agree. same thing the same thing with like me and raul it wasn't in the forefront of my mind the, when you're I making me matter as you keep talking about it like you are the worst <laughs> I'm sorry but like it wasn't in the forefront of my mind when he changed his glasses it wasn't like oh yes i'm gonna like, marry that's this what guy did it. like literally nicest human being you'll ever meet will like go to the ends of the earth to give out help we'll give you the shirt off his back and elizabeth is like damn bro you got some new glasses <laughs> you looking fine <laughs> but i didn't I, notice it at the yeah. time it's now when i look back that i'm like okay that's like the that moment was, that, that's like a memory of him that's very solidified so in my mind i i think of it as like a door open moment like so, okay, like those are the moments where it's like in in your mind Ooh, I like, like cracked oh, the I door open that. yeah that's so beautiful oh I'm about You're to welcome. throw a Frozen reference. Oh, I know that song. Da! I know that song. I don't know the whole song, but I know the lyric. You're welcome. Yeah. So that was, this was, if not the, it was one of the yeah. crack the open door moment. Like for, in order for Harry to walk into that door, that room of Henny. Henny. I think what this moment gives us, like that conversation, is kind of like at the core what Ginny is, like this independent, like bad bee mm-hmm. who's like dealing with her shiz. Yeah. And no one knew. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So another issue I kind of want to get your guys' opinion on it is like, okay, so you're 12. You become possessed. Your parents have to come to school because you're possessed. Obviously, that's a big deal. I feel like that would have been super, like you were literally dying. And now you are alive. Okay. I feel like that would have been super traumatizing. And then I feel like they wrap up the Chamber of Secrets. Like, don't we think that she would have been like a little bit freaked out going back to school? I mean, she might have, but we have to think of it in this way that the books are primarily in Harry's perspective. So Harry wouldn't have seen that if he wasn't looking for yeah, it. Yeah, he would have. Yeah. Cause they- no, because th- no, because think about it. In book three, from the very beginning, all of a sudden, this wizard is, has escaped Azkaban and is out to kill I you. I mean, I guess. Oh, and by the way, he's also your godfather. <laughs> like, I feel like he... By the way, he's the best. Yes. But I feel like Harry was so preoccupied with the fact that there was someone who is the reason 
that his parents are dead is coming out to kill him that takes up a lot of mind space for a 13 year old where like i feel like you won't notice your brother's little sister maybe struggling a bit Mm -hmm. I see what you guys are saying, but also we noticed her struggle throughout Chamber of Secrets. Like we noticed that she's not eating at breakfast or that she's nervous or that she runs away when Ron comes to the table. Like we notice things like that. I get it because that's the point of the book. But still, yeah, just the, just that's throwing it out. That's there. plot device. That's yeah. That's plot purposes. That has nothing. I'm still know. mad. Justice for Jenny. So justice for Jenny. I do think. That it shows more like that kind of um, like the effect that it had on her. I think it shows more in the cursed child. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because she she talks about it. I think more openly. Again, we hardly get Ginny in the cursed child BT dubs, and I feel like again injustice <laughs> for Ginny. But I still feel uh, I I I guess I'll save my my tea for later. But I still feel <laughs> I, I'm going to save my tea for later on that. Okay. Save it, girl. Save it. So I think it's after Chamber of Secrets that we kind of start to see that like steady climb in her confidence. But rather, it's just like kind of it's almost just like her growing up and like mm-hmm. becoming more herself. And she's less of like the shy, smitten Jenny. And now she's more of like what we know to be the regular and yes. true Jenny. And so oh, that kind of leads yeah. us to the next point that we have to talk about, which is her mm-hmm. social life. Ooh. Which was originally titled All of Her Boyfriends <laughs> because I feel like they make Ginny seem like she dates so much and she's only ever dated three people, Harry being one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which is like weird. To, like, I was like, she had a string of men. There was just but two But she others. did. She was a date. <laughs> she was Neville Longbottom's date to the Yule Ball. Girl, we gonna get there. So one of my favorite Ginny moments is actually spoken about by Hermione when she's like, I guess Ron is like, like isn't my sister into harry and hermione's like that's like so two years ago bro get it together and she basically like gave Ginny the advice to just chill out and kind of be herself and i think that's what helped Ginny like start to be able to talk to harry and like be normal and i just Mm want to thank the queen that is hermione because wow yes queen (laughs) i love her it also helps that she's like best friends with harry so she yeah think about it in this in that way like if you're like all in the same friend group kind of deal, she's like, yo, like this is how you got to act. Like be chill. Cool. Be cool. 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 Yeah. But also like, I think that Hermione was like the biggest, like that is her OTP is like Harry and Ginny. And I feel like she knew exactly what she was doing and she totally set it up from the get go. Yeah. Because you know why I know this? Because that's something that Elizabeth would do. (laughs) Me and Ginny are very much alike (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow very much alike anyways i'm not gonna go into my background personal life but my background personal life is pretty similar (laughs) anyways minus the possession (laughs) minus the possession yeah that's a little weird though oh my god i did write a book it no it wasn't a book it was a short story when i was about 12 about a character being possessed by a cursed necklace. Wow. All right, JK Rowling. I love that Elizabeth <laughs> just like when I was 12, I wrote a book. No, it was a short story. It was a short story. <laughs> I know, but I just, you impressed me. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so Ginny, uh, again, she starts to gain more confidence in herself. She grows up a little bit. Puberty hits her very well, according to the dudes at Hogwarts. 
Um, and so she starts dating like every natural 14, 15 year old does. But okay, I will okay, say I don't know what you were doing at 14 or 15, but I wasn't pulling dates. No, I wasn't pulling dates, but I also feel like because Hogwarts is like a weird seven years mm-hmm. and you become like such an adult at 18 or 17 when you graduate mm-hmm. that everything's kind of like pushed forward. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. our timelines, at least in America, we're not considered even though we're considered adults at 18, like we're not like really adults, like in the eyes of major society, we're not considered adults until at least 21. Mm hmm. So I feel like in the wizarding world, like, yeah. oh, you graduated Hogwarts. Like, that's it. You're an adult. You get your job. Like, you you get your family. I mean, Harry's parents married by 19, had Harry at 20. Like, and that was considered totally normal. Whereas mm-hmm. here in America, if we saw 19-year-olds getting married, we'd be like, whoa, slow down. Like, do you want to, like, analyze life a little bit more or, you know, date a little bit longer than just a year? Mm-hmm. You know? True. True. So... I think, yeah, I think just, like, their adultness has just, you know, been sped up. So I feel like us normal life, 17, 18 is when, like, I think most high schoolers really start, like, dating. I mean, I technically had my first boyfriend at 14. But also, my first boyfriend is the best friend who does not play for my team anymore. <laughs> does not play for my team. Uh, you know, I was oh, laughing God. originally. Can we, because, can we shout him out, please? Hey, Adrian, we love you. Shout out to Adrian. Love um, you. I was laughing. He really is our best friend now. Okay. So, the three guys that she dated... We well, we know of three. Who knows? There might be more. There might be. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know because these are like considered like boyfriend boyfriends. You know, maybe she just like made Get out with around. a guy or whatever. Like, you don't no, know. Yeah. Her oh, you're in that weird stage where you're talking. Yeah. Yes. Dating. Yeah. Oh god, I hate that stage. <laughs> How dumb is that? It is. Sorry, but anyways, <laughs> uh, first one that we hear of is Dean Thomas the mm. one of the uh, yes. newfound banes of harry's existence <laughs> <laughs> this just whole exchange just tickles my fancy it's so funny oh, it sounds oh, gross in this context <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does i apologize for that Ooh. <laughs> then we have michael corner can i just say that's a very american name you think so it is very american corner yeah, michael corner like i feel like she literally just plops someone american into the story like i never noticed that before michael corner like how does it sound in the net michael corner. corner i'm so sorry for the uk people that are listening he's totally my type episode. on paper yes jenny i'm so proud <laughs> yes <laughs> I still haven't watched a single episode. I just say it because you say it. Can can I just say, season one, I had the accent problem. Season two, it's both of you guys. (laughs) You still have it. Okay, I've barely, I barely used any accents, and now we have Jenny, the new Minnesotan, and Marianne from the UK, from Essex, (laughs) from the countryside. 
to- he's totally my type on paper. Go up. What 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 is the show called again? Love Island. It is the best <laughs> reality show out there on Hulu. Binge it all. There's also a U.S. version and an Australian version. Awesome. Oh my god. I wish you guys could have seen this video right now because she literally just did a shoulder shrug. Shoulder shrug. Like, you need to watch it. Can we please get back to Harry Potter? Yes. So, anyways, Michael Corner, biggest tangent ever. But anyway. (laughs) And, of course, we finally have, you know, Harry Potter. 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 Her boot. And... But we Central? can't forget Neville. No, we can't. We can't forget Neville. They did go on one date to the Yule Ball. That wasn't a date. They went as friends. Yeah. We're, we're going to consider it a date because you know what? Neville was really happy and excited about it and Neville deserves better. <laughs> okay. I accept. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, speaking of Silver Trio members, ooh, smooth transition, the Wizarding World oh. also acknowledges that Ginny is the first person out of both the silver and the gold trios, to branch out and be friends with somebody else. And that somebody else is Luna. Yes, she's F. Yeah. So it seems like she's kind of in the sweet spot where, like, she's a year behind everybody else. So she kind of gets to branch out. But she's also in the spot where she's definitely part of, like, the golden trios, like, core friendship group, you know? Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, Ron, but whatever. Yeah. So she also joins the Gryffindor Quidditch team, which you might be like, why yes. is this part of your social life tab? But also because like it just seems like that's the cool kids table. Like you're super popular yeah. if you play Quidditch. Uh yeah, she hella is. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so I totally forgot this, but she plays both Chaser and Seeker at like different points during her Hogwarts career because she mm-hmm. <laughs> wrote she's a versatile queen. Mm-hmm. Well, that obviously just tells you that, like, she must be an amazing flyer to be both. Yeah. Chaser and Seeker. Like, oh, yeah. That, like, they're kind of very similar in the sense, but the fact that, like, she can transition into the other just goes to show. Yeah. Goes to show. And that also means another um, commonality. Similarity. Between, yes. Between Harry and Ginny, might yeah. I say. Mm-hmm. Anywho, uh, she's so good at freaking Quidditch. She goes on to professionally play for the Hollyhead Harpies. I don't know if Aww. I said that right, but we all I, know that's how I say it. So. Thank you. Then I feel vindicated. Um, Ooh, big word. But, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, but she eventually retires, um, and then she becomes. But she's still, you know doing Quidditch things. She's just now writing for Quidditch and she becomes a senior editor for the Daily Prophet on the Quidditch section. So, yeah. Love her. We stand. Okay. Etymology Queen. What is her name? Her name. So fun fact, it means fair one, but I don't really think she's fair at all, but it might just be in the sense that like, um, she's really tough and she really like values justice and, um, fair play so oh you you're thinking fair like she's fair like a judge is fair yeah exactly i was thinking Um, fair like like sensitive like no feminine i think i think think so i think it's more so that she's fair in the sense of that that justice hashtag justice for (laughs) Ginny. that um she's strong and she's she's a little bit more on the logical sense and like she can tell um what to do in a certain situation. I 
actually think it's both because again jenny in the books is always toted as being very beautiful very feminine very opposite of her brothers she's fair but i also think she's a fair judge of character because throwing it back to what we just mentioned before she was one of the first people to see that luna is like a freaking awesome human being and that you should be friends with her that's very true that's very true damn elizabeth normally i'm the one Normally, I'm the one that's in the middle, and it's like this is the middle, like opinion. Liz got me. Liz got, I got me you. Today. All right, moving on to our next tab, our next point of interest: Whoa. Dumbledore's army in the battle at Hogwarts. Yes. So Dumbledore's army, obviously, like Luna and Neville and Ginny, had a lot to do with it. We discussed it the past two episodes, but mm-hmm. I totally forgot she named the DA. Yes, she oh. did. I mean, technically, Cho Chang had some stuff going on in there, but really, she kind of yeah. came up with it. But go ahead. Read it for me, girl. Yeah. Okay. So, this is Hermione at first. Hermione. I also think we should have a name, she said brightly, her hands still in the air. It would promote a feeling of team spirit and unity, don't you think? Can we be called the anti-Umbridge League, said Angelina, <laughs> hopefully. Dumb, dumb. Of course, Angelina. And then, or the Ministry of Magic, our morons <laughs> group yes fred. fred of course fred and angelina i was thinking said Her- hermione frowning at fred more of a name that doesn't tell everyone what we were up to so we can refer to it safely outside meetings the defense association said cho the da for short so nobody knows what we're talking about yeah the da is good said Ginny. Only let's make it stand for Dumbledore's army because that's the ministry's worst fear, isn't it? End quote. Queen. Drop mic. A whole queen. Queen. A whole queen. A whole queen. Whole queen. That's it. That's and that's it. That's the show, kids. That's it. That's (laughs) where we end it. Queen. (laughs) Queen. So obviously, she was a really big contributor to the DA. She helped run it with Neville and Luna until Molly was like, "You're staying home." Um, she's also kind of like super sneaky and she helps during the battle of Hogwarts because she refused to sit on the sidelines. And I feel like as a mom, like I would have killed her. And this <laughs> is like, because like you literally just snuck away in like one of the biggest battles of like wizarding history to go fight. Like that's horribly irresponsible with your life, bro. <laughs> so here we go. As the only one with a child right now in the group. A human child. Um, a human child. You guys all have, you know, fur children. <laughs> okay, so I feel like this is a double-edged sword. Ooh. Like, me as a mom, like I'm sure Molly is, is I am mama bear. I need to protect my cub at all costs. And, like, knowing that her life is even remotely in danger like i already get super defensive and especially as like a first-time mom i just want to protect my daughter from like anything bad that could ever happen to her but however especially as your child gets older you realize you know they need to get bumps and bruises they need to get cut up because that's the only way that they learn so i feel like there's like some leniency with that but i feel like this is just like This is a completely different situation because, yes, as a mom, I would never want my child going out into that battle. And I would be 
pissed if I found out that she was in that battle and like something happened to her. But then also as a mom, if she went into that battle and nothing happened to her, a part of me would honestly be super proud that I raised such a powerful daughter. Wow. Like snaps and claps. But I would like, like in my head, I'd be like, wow, my God, she's such a badass. Like, I did a good job raising her. But like to her, I'd be like, that was very irresponsible. You put your life on the line. (laughs) You're grounded. But good job. Yeah. No, but like I wouldn't tell her. At least like I don't think I would tell her that I'm like like hella proud. I'd be like, you know, you did good. But don't do that again. (laughs) You'd be like, you have to stay mom. You'd be like like that mom who's like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) No, because di- no, disappointed is harsher. Remember, disappointed is harsher. I feel so like you mad. would do that though. You'd be like, "I'm disappointed that you went and did that so recklessly." Yeah, it's. I'm telling you, it's very weird being like a mom because you're like your your child's like biggest fangirl, and you want to hype them up always, but you also realize like you totally need to be the parent mm-hmm. and like not hype them up all the time because you need to bring them down. Mm-hmm. So, you know. You got to bring them down back to reality. They're not the best. They're not the best uh, egg in the bunch. You egg know, in the bunch. there's other people that may be better, but in my eyes, she's the best. Okay, so another time apparently that she contributes and us moms just like hella cringe for her life. <laughs> hella cringe <laughs> is uh, just going to the battle of the Department of Mysteries. Like, what? That's she, true. Thinking about that, like they just, they just they up just and left. Went. They just up and went. Like <laughs> left to Hogwarts, me, left school. To me, that is has to be like a parent's worst nightmare. You're entrusting this school to keep multiple Listen, of your children hmm, safe. Well, you already know. <laughs> we already and, know so many issues with Hogwarts administration. Like you're you're trusting them with your child's life, and then two of your children decide to be like even more reckless than your reckless twins and just go up and like, oh yeah, I'm just going to join my best friend and fight Death Eaters and possibly Voldemort because he had a dream his godfather was being tortured. Like, mm-hmm. like as a mom, I'm like, like excuse me, man. You weren't thinking, <laughs> no. Like, if Harry were to go jump off a bridge, would you? Like, that's literally one of those yes, moments. mom, I'm in love with him. i love him nobody understands harry but again like the rest of the silver trio and the golden trio they just bought a fun a bunch of like fully grown death eaters and lived to tell the tale yes snaps and claps all around for everyone involved this makes really sad because like i don't know because you started talking about like you know that time in the book where like bad things happen it's a very nice people. So Ginny is a very powerful oh. witch, obviously. I mean, she's done so many things at battles and DA meetings and all that stuff. Everybody obviously knows about her bat bogey hex. It, like, made her famous, basically. But like Marianne said, like, she literally produces a full-blown Patronus at 14 years old, which, like, like not even, like, fully grown wizards can do that. Like, it's supposed to be a super hard piece of magic. Yeah. So you start putting these things together, and you start to realize that Ginny is, like, a total bad bee. Like, she's producing Patronuses super early. She has a bomb hex. Like, she's literally fighting Death Eaters and winning and surviving possession. Like, in the sum of all its parts, Ginny is bomb. And so, that moves on 
to the next tab. Literally entitled hashtags justice for Jenny. So this is the mm. large pin that we've been talking about for a very large portion mm. of this episode. Okay. <laughs> Should I just like? Yes. Andrin, we're going to answer your question right now. I don't know. Should I just like do my little spiel here? Because it's literally like nothing compared to what's about to happen over there. Yeah. Go ahead. Jen. Okay. So my issue with this whole Justice for Ginny thing is very focused on what I was finding while like looking for information for this episode. And the only thing that I really have to say is the Wizarding World thing. Like they don't have a fact file for her. Like I can't believe that they did her that dirty. But they just had like aside from not having that article they had very like buzzfeed-esque articles on their site like the chapter that made us fall in love with Ginny, like six reasons to love Ginny weasley and i'm like this is not relevant information this is like all opinion pieces and it was very annoying and i feel like they did her hella dirty the end mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> elizabeth fixed her glasses so... and said okay <laughs> i'm gonna go back to andrin's question he again asked, film Jenny, oh, whose fault was it? Now, I'm probably going to hit a lot of the same points that I did in our uh, first family, the Weasleys episode, um, because I feel like all we ever talked about Jenny was the fact that, like, I feel like the films did her hella dirty. And so basically, it's trifled, <laughs> right? And <laughs> there are three reasons Three three entities as to why Ginny did not live up to her potential. One, screen time. We barely get her. She literally disappears off of our big screens after Chamber of Secrets. She pops up for literally a scene, basically, in Goblet of Fire for the Yule Ball. Comes up again sporadically in order the phoenix but again she's like jumbled up with like neville and luna where like at the end you're like holy crap wait they're actually like a major part of the story right now and i didn't even notice it happening and then we have book six which again half of prince mm-hmm. uh the movie <laughs> is just the worst film adaptation i will forever not get off my soapbox on that so um yeah, that is the second reason. The movie versus the book. The book. We get so much of like who who's Ginny's essence of a person. Mm-hmm. And then the only time we get her essence isn't really Half-Blood Prince. Because we get that much more time with Harry and Ginny. Whereas Half-Blood Prince, the movie, literally just gives us like random hints that like oh you know harry potter's falling in love with like his best friend's sister and then all of a sudden they have the most awkward kiss of life and then they're in a relationship which we see nothing of because then crap hits the fan and you know you, you know the the thing where like dumbledore and harry go and like get the locket yeah, and the thing, horcrux you know, and whatever. whatever they come back <sighs> dumbledore dies Spoiler alert. you know <laughs> <laughs> There's so much else happening that the movie was just like, this relationship is irrelevant. We're going to ex-nay it. We're just going to end it awkwardly. Bring it back for like two hot seconds in Deathly Hollows, where they have a super random kiss before the wedding. And then all of a sudden they're together again in the epilogue and have children together. Like, 
Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> like as someone who I'm just thinking from like a perspective of someone who's never read the books, of course, you're going to look at this movie and be like, uh, what? Excuse me? Like how can someone explain to me that these two don't make sense? Harry and Hermione make so much more sense. They have that super awesome <laughs> friendly dance together that friendly some dance. people think are ba- is very romantic. <laughs> I can't. Oh my god. So, anyways, and I I will again will be the bad guy to say it. I think that several people who made the movies, including the uh screenwriter who adapted the books, the director himself, who I have huge issues with, David Yates, <laughs> and Bonnie Wright herself. I just think, you know, my girl, she did not live up to Ginny's potential. I go more into detail in our first family, the Weasleys episode, but I will just say, I don't think she was casted correctly. I think she was casted correctly when she was 11. However, she did not grow into Ginny as maybe they had hoped she would. And so therefore we stayed with Bonnie Wright. And I think she's a very lovely person. I have nothing against her. I just don't think her acting abilities were up to par of the actual Ginny Weasley. And maybe they were up to par, but then the director and the screenwriters were like, no, you got to tone it down because we're going to make her super awkward. Maybe they told her that. I don't know. I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. You know, I don't want to bash on Bonnie Wright because again, she seems like a wonderful human being but there's there's my very long rant again because i feel very passionately about this um (laughs) so i have a pin as well but it really just a pin based off of elizabeth's big pin um to give some sort of uh clarity into her explanation and yeah just pretty much that um so i am gonna try my best not to make this become a the half-blood prince movie sucks rant but there might be some oozes of that anyway so (laughs) there might be some oozes um so as of what we know the director david yates obviously we already know he joined us in order of the phoenix however we had the same screenwriter. His name is Steve Cloves. We had the same screenwriter for all eight movies, except for one movie. Hmm. And, and that movie was no, 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 no. Who? I don't know. I don't know if you, hmm. if you mean correcting, but we only had Steve. We did not have the screenwriter Steve Cloves for one movie, and that one movie was Order of the Phoenix. Hmm. Yes. I will get back to that in a second. Um, But we did have David Yates join us for Order of the Phoenix. Um, Mm. I have a lot of feelings on what might have happened with Half-Blood Prince. I think what might have happened was that after David Yates did Order of the Phoenix, he wanted to try something new with Half-Blood Prince. And I think his concept for the movie was a little bit diluted. Um, I like researched it a little bit like to really have like an open-minded perspective, especially because Jenny really loves the movie. Um, And I'm current. Well, don't paint me like that. I like the movie because it's hilarious because it's bad. But I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying like, I, I am one of those people that tries to keep an open mind and I'm currently in a Harry Potter movie marathon. 
Um, and tomorrow, <laughs> as the rest of the as world, the rest of the world. <laughs> um, tomorrow I'm watching Order of the Phoenix and Half Blood Prince. So before the prep for that, um, I was just kind of like digging a little bit of dirt, and I noticed that David Yates, for some reason, with Half Blood Prince, just wanted to make it a comedy, wanted to make it about relationships and whatever the case may be. And I think um, because he did not have the screenwriter that he started out with and it was already one, a brand, like a new screenwriter he's working with for the very first time. And he had this very diluted concept for the movie. We got this very diluted idea of Ginny. Um, I I personally think that it's less on Bonnie because I because like following her on Instagram and after the movies, all the movies came out and stuff like that. I like I would see Bonnie online or doing things and I'd be like, you're so pretty. Like, how come you weren't this pretty in the movies to me? Like, how come I didn't get this personality from you when you were playing the character of Ginny. So I feel like it was more so on the screenwriter and the director solely because the Ginny that they wrote in Half-Blood Prince was like a Ginny that was still from Chamber of Secrets. Like she's still in Half-Blood Prince, the movie. She's like very shy and awkward and has these feelings, but doesn't really own them. Like she like, she'll go in for a kiss, but she doesn't have the same spark. Like we just read a quote of her being like, Hey, do you remember that? I also had Voldemort in my head. You don't remember that. Uh, yeah. Well, lucky you The Jenny from the movies would have never said that because we never got that from her because they never wrote her that way. Um, they, the only time that they really wrote her that way, that she was a little bit more vocal and a little bit more prominent. Even then it was like blah was in order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix was probably the best Ginny we ever got. And that's saying something because we still didn't get a, a, a real presence of movie mm-hmm. Ginny from Order of the Phoenix. But we got a lot of screen time from her. We got to see her, you know, a part of Dumbledore's army. They, she was, it was, a, the movie itself was just a lot about character development. They were like around each other a lot more, the Silver Trio and the Golden Trio. Um, like, and I, and it's, it's not a coincidence. That was the one movie that we had a different screenwriter for. His name was Michael Goldenberg. And I think he just gave us the best Ginny because he knew how to write for Ginny. And he, he didn't need the like lack of setup from the other movies in order to write her that way. He just did. And then the sixth movie came around. And I don't know if it was because it was a different screenwriter that didn't know how to write for Ginny or if it was the bad direction. But we just didn't get that. And it's just upsetting so i i personally think it has more so to do with david yates making a drastic error on his part when it came to his direction and a new screenwriter i feel like if we would have possibly kept the screenwriter from order of the phoenix um for for half-blood prince we would have been okay um, we or at least not okay, maybe not completely okay because there are other issues with Half Blood Prince the movie, but sh- we would have felt a little bit more like this is the this is more of a or this is a better essence of movie Ginny, uh, closely related to book Ginny than than the one we have. I just really don't feel like comparing Half Blood Prince movie and book; they're not the same character. Like 
movie Ginny has a lack of character development for some reason in my noggin and idea. So she just has a lack of character. She's a wall. Yeah, she was. She, I mean, yeah, kind of because she was just like she was the plot. Like you remember earlier in the episode that I was like, Ginny was not written to be the love interest of Harry Potter. That was just an like result of the case. Like that's but that's how they what wrote she feels. Her. That's how yeah. they wrote her in Half Blood Prince. Like it, they wrote her yeah. to be the love interest. I also. I also feel like we've talked in the past about, okay, so Alfonso, hashtag Alfonso Aesthetic, he did amazing work on The Prisoner of Azkaban, and it was a good place for him to do that work because it very much signifies Mm -hmm. the transition of, like, that childhood, like, years one and two, you know, now we're going into Mm -hmm. something a little bit darker, and the vibe just kind of really works from that point in the storyline. I feel like something really similar happened in Half-Blood Prince, except the vibe didn't work at that point in the storyline. It's just, it's almost like the people that they hired and the people who were in charge of that storyline, of that direction, just changed it too much or tried for something new when they should have just really kept Absolutely. it the same. I mean, there were that again, yeah. I don't want this to become the half blood prince rant party, but they had, <laughs> they had some really great Henny material, Henny, like Carrie, Jenny yeah. material, like their first yeah. kiss, um, the way they broke up at Dumbledore's funeral. Like that yeah. was canon. Why did I they change it? What, There's a reason why I think what kiss. really, pisses me off in in terms of the Ginny Harry situation in that movie. I mean, lots of things do. It was very awkward. It seemed very stiff. Very forward. But it was a yes, wall. very and like formal. But the wall. But what bothers me the most is that I feel like throughout the book they kind of pepper in these moments where he's talking about like the dragon that's inside him and like why does he feel this way and it's very like angsty and I feel like Mm -hmm. we didn't really get that at all in the movie and I feel like it would have done a lot in contributing to that chemistry like on screen if they would have given him those moments to kind of feel that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think we've summed up our rant sufficiently enough though. And when Absolutely. we can give your ears a break. But <laughs> honestly, I mean, like, if you have listened to this entire episode, Star Wars and Ginny. Yeah, you went through a can lot. Can I just say snaps and claps snaps. for you. Congratulations. You are, like, true listeners. I feel so sorry for your ears. Our mm-hmm. original thought behind this episode was, hey, we didn't really do Ginny much justi- justice by putting her with the rest of her family. We need to talk about her again. But we thought like, oh, we covered a good amount of her when we originally talked about her. We probably will only have like 30 <laughs> minutes or so. So, you know, people can still listen about Star Wars and then just get like a very nice wrap up about Ginny. But then, but of no. course, uh, your Latina hosts <laughs> never know when to shut up. And now that we no longer have more people to talk to, I think um, has compounded that effect of not being able to shut up but it also but it also goes back to the whole idea that why like can jenny not have more i'm sorry but justice Mm -hmm. for jenny she did deserve more this is what this episode was it was hashtag justice for jenny i was gonna say that Mm -hmm. yes absolutely yeah but we're done now that's all for today that's it Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to either episode or both. Whatever you did, we're thankful. Yay! Have a beautiful rest of your day in quarantine. Please stay inside your house. And remember to follow us on the social medias while you have nothing else to do. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at the 3 Broomchicks. 
You can also follow us on the Twitter at the number three broom chicks. And you can go like our Facebook page, the three broom chicks, and make sure to catch us next time as we will still be in social distancing for the oh, foreseeable future. Foreseeable future. Where we will get ready, folks. We are bringing back Potter for Dummies. Potter for Dummies. Potter for Dummies. Potter for Dummies. I'm sorry. We will be bringing back our guest from Potter for Dummies, our friend Alexis. She doesn't know it yet, but she's doing <laughs> we it. We are going to ask. She may say no. We will ask. She will not say no. We will and... rip the Animal Crossing switch from her hands <laughs> for her to play with us. Way to make us relevant. <laughs> and we're going to bring in more content for our not-so-savvy uh, Harry Potter listeners who are like, why do these ladies rant all the time about Harry Potter? It's going to be a to... fun, lighthearted time. It's it's going to be great. Yeah, it is. It's going to be great. That was one of like the that was one of the episodes where I've had the most fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's fun. It's a fun I, episode. Yeah. Well, we hope right. this next one will be fun. <laughs> yeah. So as always, we are the three broom chicks and happy April Fools. Justice for Jenny. <laughs> <laughs>